0: I spent 8 years trying to reach him and then another 7 trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil.
1: kind of joke i've been trick-or-treated to death tonight you don't know what death is
0: Please stop it! There's no more time. You've got to stop it! Stop it now! Turn it off! Turn it off! Stop! it! Stop it! Stop
1: it! Stop it! Stop it! All right, everybody, welcome to the GG TMC. We are on the air. I hope you guys enjoyed the little intro there. So, stop it! Stop it! Stop it! All right. Is everybody here? Is I, do I have everybody? Am I everybody accounted for? Come on. Okay, so I have uh, Death Rattle Aaron. So I have him, and I have uh, DZ on the West Coast. DZ, you there. I'm here. And there he is, the one and only DZ. And I have Large William.
0: Hey,
2: hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Had
2: to make Dizzy feel welcome. Yeah. Home. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So we are all together, and we're here to talk about uh, some films that, um, well, they're pretty iconic, just like that intro that I found about 90 different versions for, and uh, couldn't decide what to do, so I just kind of played, because kind of put a bunch of different genres together there, so I think it turned out okay. Cool,
3: Good, Good job.
1: Mm-hmm. I looked for more uh, more uh, little Loomis tidbits, but there's almost too many to pick from,
4: <laughs> so I just went with the ones that we all know, right? We should have gone with uh, four and up just to kind of confuse people. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> some of the ones. Fo- some of the ones. Is that a
4: director's guy kind of didn't know about? Yeah.
1: yeah. Some of those four and five ones are really crazy, too. Some of those things he says. So. All right. So, um, as you guys might know from looking at the title of the show, we are covering Halloween one, two, and three. Um, pretty much, I, I know, well, at least we can arguably say the first film is uh, a modern classic in some ways. So. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But I kind of wanted to kind of go around the uh, the uh, interwebs here because we're not really in a room together. None of us are in a room together. Matter of fact, we're a long way from each other. Three time uh, zones, two countries. I know. It's crazy. It's complicated. <laughs>
3: countries? What are you talking about? Well,
2: Canada,
1: man.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> It's uh, the US Plus. It's late. It's
2: late. (laughs) Well, it's early, brother.
1: It's early. Yeah. Yeah, It's early over here. But but, uh, I kind of wanted to go around the uh, room, like I say, and um, see what the actual holiday of Halloween means to you guys and the kind of like, you know, the films themselves, you know. And you don't have to go into a review so much, but just kind of, you know, talk a little bit maybe about first time you saw them or what you know one of your most vivid memories are from from these films so i'll start with uh
4: start with a spoiler alert (laughs) no
1: no spoilers man that that's what (laughs) no spoilers it's impossible (laughs) it's not impossible trust me (laughs) trust me we've been doing it a long time no spoilers um but i'll start with aaron uh, out there on the the, since he's the furthest away from all of us we'll give aaron (laughs) the first run here so Aaron, what is, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the holiday and the the films themselves. Like I say, no no massive detail because we're going to talk about the films quite a bit. But Mm -hmm. what do you think?
2: I I don't want to cut Aaron off, but I think he should talk about Halloween in Arizona.
3: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. My most memorable Halloween experience. I'll get to that. Um, No, as far as the holiday, it hasn't really meant much to me, you know, since. well, since I start, stopped trick-or-treating back in the day, mm-hmm. um, as far as now, like, I don't really, you know, I don't have kids, so I don't take them out. So I don't get to experience that, you know, from the other side of things, from the parenting side of things, like uh, I'm sure you guys do, or maybe you will soon, Rick. I don't know if he's uh, old enough for that yet.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, 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 a, it's a whole thing now.
3: Mm-hmm. But – uh yeah so i don't know i mean i have fond memories of you know trick-or-treating as a kid wearing the you know i grew up in the 80s so wearing like the thick the thick like hard plastic mask with like the slit for the mouth, you know nice you can barely breathe out of them and like the mat (laughs) like the the matching plastic suits or whatever they were yeah Yeah. um but uh what will was saying I, i shared this story the other day uh my most vivid halloween experience is actually a negative one um when I was little, I was actually staying with relatives in Phoenix, um, on my dad's side after my parents divorced and, uh, I was there one Halloween. So I went trick or treating, um, in like this pretty ghetto neighborhood in South Phoenix. And, uh, I went up to this door knocked on the door. All the lights were off, but, uh, you know, was too young to really put two and two together. So, uh, this gentleman answered, he's wearing only a wife beater and probably some boxer shorts or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said trick or treat or whatever, and all he said was "ain't no trick or treat," and he shut the door in my face.
4: <laughs>
3: run, Aaron, run! <laughs> so yeah, ain't no trick or treat. But get... uh, as far <laughs>
1: we have some GGTMC shirts made like that, you know? Yeah, ain't, yeah. <laughs> ain't no trick or treat on the back of
3: them. <laughs> ain't no trick or treat. No, but well, uh, as just, far I'm as I'm looking,
4: the... at shown up while you're
3: saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But as far as the movies um yeah you know like I'm sure you guys have uh I saw them at a very early age, you know, too young to remember. The earliest me- I don't know which one I saw first, but the earliest memories I have of a Halloween movie are uh of Halloween 2 um at the end when uh Michael Myers is blinded. I'm sure that's not a spoiler. Yeah. But uh when he's blinded and kind of swinging the scalpel around like crazy. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 That's one of the One of the memories that sticks out um as far as the halloween movies and watching them and i also have like really uh vivid memories of watching four and five the ones with danielle harris too um yeah so
1: all right all right dz how about you buddy
4: as for halloween uh you don't go to the ghetto neighborhoods because they only give out tootsie rolls (laughs) And candy corn, and that's probably from the previous years, you know, fucking recycling at its best. Um, yeah, growing up in the 80s, actually, I, I would hit up this one guy uh, his house every year because he gave out comic books.
1: Uh, oh, and, nice, nice.
4: Yeah, and uh, I tried to hit him up twice in one night, but it didn't work. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up in the 80s, too, so I do remember the uh, pass-out masks and the <laughs> super-rippable uh, plastic uh, outfits. Yes. It's one of those... You have to wear a full, you know, you can't go just like in your underwear in the costume because that shit's going to tear. Yeah. You know, yeah. too easy. And it's like, uh, that's inappropriate. Um, so I remember that. Um, what was, was it? Uh, when I stopped really trick-or-treating it, the last time I went out for Halloween, um, I uh, basically made my face up as a, um, the wolf man. And I apparently did such a good job, I actually scared quite a few people. <laughs> um, with it you know running around with like this giant you know kind of like a poet shirt and shit riding my bike so it, i probably looked ridiculous all his fur stuck to my face with latex um but apparently i scared a few people um but yeah now i have my nieces and i like taking them out because um they have a good time um and i'm like well we can have all these neighborhoods and get tons of candy you know so that's cool but um that, you know, that's Halloween, it's like, yeah, it was fun dressing up for the most part, but um, it, the 80s is different than it is now. It's like you don't see as many kids out and about um, compared to back then when I was a kid. Very true. Yes. A yes. little sad, really. Yes.
1: Yeah. It it, I mean, it is sad, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. So,
4: As for the Halloween movies, um, you know, I believe I saw them in the wrong order. <laughs> I think I saw them. Part of the first one when I was really, like, way too young to um, watch it, and I only saw it in bits and pieces, and I do remember the intro actually scared the crap out of me, the the close-up of the jack-o'-lantern. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, that awesome music. I still love that music. It just was frightening. Um, And I saw part three, I think, before I saw part two, so it was like... (laughs) Any sort of you know fuckery on sequence, that's that's the way to do it. Um, but a friend of mine was actually getting into Kabbalah and like mysticism and things like that at the time, and he was like, "Oh, so you know that that's what's going on." And I'm like, "Okay, that's a spoiler alert for part three. Um, yeah, you know, so I, you saw him in the '80s, and it was like, it, it, oddly enough, it's one of the series that I haven't like rewatched to death, like I have, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth. Something about those movies actually stuck with me a little bit harder, mm-hmm. even though I think. The Halloween series overall is way more scarier than those other two. Yep,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, interesting. All right, uh, Large William.
2: Um, Halloween. Sadly, I gave up trick or treating a lot earlier than I would have liked. In hindsight, I gave it up when I was about ten or eleven so i could chase punani as a 10 or 11 year old at like <laughs> ha- little halloween parties and stuff
1: yeah little halloween oh. pussy sounds like yeah the name. yeah
2: <laughs> so it was one of those things i gave it up too but soon what's wrong with canada <laughs> Yeah, good point, man.
1: Um, you gotta let some uh, you gotta let some uh, grass grow on that green first, bro. Well,
2: well, I didn't have any grass on my green, and you gotta stay warm, right? So,
1: yeah, no, that's a good point. Um,
2: but you know, Halloween's always been near and dear to my heart because I think, as all of us would would attest to, horror movies are kind of where or genre films. But for me specifically, horror films were where I found my love of of film. Um, so Halloween being sort of the this this summary of everything horrific um in culture and everything um it it always has been a special time for me uh even more so now that i have kids because now my kids are getting to the age where we're not just dressing them up they have some ideas as to what they want to be and you know it's uh it's just it's other than christmas it's my favorite time of year in fact sometimes it's my favorite time of year um
4: fuck christmas fuck thanksgiving and halloween please yeah
2: well, see, Thanksgiving isn't as big for us as it is for you guys in the states. It's it's big, but it's not uh, quite to the same degree. But yeah, Halloween's just always been uh, been my favorite time. I will say this: um, there was a guy on my street. He he was an old carny for a pretty good show um, here in uh, in the Toronto area, and uh, he had a cotton candy machine. And there was li- his house was lined up about the block because every year he would get out the cotton candy machine. And he would twirl, you know, 100, 200 cotton candy. So you get cotton candy fresh Ooh, um, nice. for trick-or-treating. So, I mean, people were, yeah, it was just lined up around the block. But uh, the movies themselves, again, being a horror guy, they've always meant a lot to me. There's times I waffle and I feel like the Halloween franchise is my favorite of the big three. Um, I, You know, Nightmare probably is my favorite, but Michael Myers I've always found to be the most scary of the three as well. So. Mm. But uh, yeah, they're important to me, man. They're they're a, you know very much a pillar of, of the horror uh, world. So, that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, uh, these films, uh, these three in particular, and even all of those slasher films we all grew up with in the late seventies, eighties uh this horror these horror franchises maybe i should say maybe not so much just slashers in general because these tended to last longer than the actual slasher genre which was actually a small window of the 80s really when you think about it um i always have the most nostalgia for these because like even on halloween we would me and my brother would rent these films would rent like halloween whatever it was at halloween one two three four halloween one two three four five the next year whatever we would rent these films, and we would marathon them as we got older. Now, this is after we quit trick-or-treating, obviously, but this is what we would do, like, every year. And still every year, I watch one of these films on Halloween or around Halloween um, uh, because they just mean a lot to me, um, the nostalgia piece of it. Uh, as far as the uh, the actual holiday itself, uh, it's taken on new meaning for me, obviously, in, in the, these past two years because, you know, i got a two-year-old son, Uh, It's fun to watch him and stuff. I do regret that there isn't going to ever be that sense of wonder to Halloween for him that there was for me. For me, Halloween was an adventure. I left the house around dusk and uh, literally did not come back. I mean, my mom and dad, I mean, they go with us when we were really young. But when we got a little bit older, you know, this is a different time we're talking about, of course. Uh, You know, they just let us go. Oh, yeah. And we just yeah. go, man, and we might trick-or-treat here and there. We'd you know, hide in bushes. We'd hide in corn. We'd hide wherever we could hide and scare other kids. We'd we'd do all these other things. And it, some of it sounds cruel, but, I mean, that's that was all part of the, the holiday, and everybody did it. And it was just, you know, it was a lot of fun. And um, I kind of regret that, you know, the world we live in now – I mean, some people say that you know we still live in the same world. I don't. I don't agree. I think the world's a little bit more of a scarier place, or maybe I'm just older and <laughs> very protective now. But you know, I just don't like the idea. Of course, obviously, I'm not going to send a two year old out on his own. So yeah, go, buddy, have fun. <laughs> Watch him <laughs> to collect. He still hasn't figured out even what how the dangers of a parking lot. So I'm just going to send him out. <laughs> <you know?
4: laughs> you well, know? admit it, Rick. You dress up as a black man. You get it in your wife beater, and you go to. Ghettos and you scare little errands everywhere. Yeah,
1: so ain't no trick or treat, motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> I dress up as a black man every other holiday. But uh, the, the, uh, the truth is, is that. You know, I think some of the wonder is gone But I think you can still make it And, you know, in these little pockets and stuff And for my having son
2: kids, Having kids brings back that wonder, though Yeah, yeah All so, it is
1: So it's kind of fun, you know Because right now, you know, my son's getting Where he's just a little bit older So he's, he's getting a little bit more daring With what he wants to see A little bit more daring with what scares him What doesn't Right now he's really fascinated with the dark And, uh, you know, we'll get like a little light or something We'll go into like a dark room We'll shut the door And we'll get a little light, you know And put it on our faces And and you know, kinda of trying to scare each other and stuff. There's safety in it right now for him, so he's having a good time with it. So it it's it's you know, it's Halloween. It's what it's all about. And I think it's the reason why a lot of people love the holiday, is really because it's probably if you think about it, it's probably the most nostalgic holiday for anybody outside of maybe Christmas. I mean, it's probably the oh, most nostalgic sure.
4: holiday. It's the holiday well, you the most. It's the most active role that kids have. I mean, when you think yes. about it. Yes, I was gonna say that it totally is.
1: Mm-hmm. So
4: okay well, and, and i like how you basically described how the transformation as you age when it comes to the holiday that okay so you start off with trick-or-treating and things like that then eventually you move if you have a love for the horror movies you move into well you know we can either have a party or we can get together and watch a movie or we can do something similar to that so it's, it ages into something you know a little bit different
1: yeah yeah but it's it's yeah but it's always this kind of like celebration of of all things that you know, if, if, especially if you like the horror genre, it's 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 kind of in a weird way. It's just like the celebration of everything you kind of love, and it's yeah for horror movie junkies. It's kind of a special, and you'll find this in every horror movie junkie is that it's kind of a special holiday for them because it's at Party. one time. Yeah, it's at one time of year. It's your day. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, that's all our thoughts on that. We're gonna just we're not gonna take any break going into Halloween. We're just gonna go right into Halloween. Ain't no break, motherfucker. Ain't no break on this show, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm podcasting from Scottsdale, not Phoenix, motherfucker. Scottsdale. (laughs) I don't think there's any ghettos in Scottsdale.
2: (laughs) You gotta pop your golf shirt
4: collar in uh, in, in Scottsdale, man. I'm a frat boy. It's okay, the ghetto can't afford iPods or the internet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man, this has already gone wrong. (laughs) This
1: show's strange (laughs) All right, uh, so we'll get right into it, and we'll start talking about the the original. We'll talk. We'll talk about uh, the original Halloween, nineteen seventy eight, uh, directed by one John Carpenter. Uh, the IMD plot, IMD, IMDD <laughs> plot synopsis says uh, a psychotic murderer institutionalized his childhood for the murder of his sister escapes. The, Escapes and stalks a bookish teenage girl and her friends while his doctor chases him through the streets. <laughs> it, it's kind of that. That's kind of is what it is, but it That's just sounds it is, so man. stupid.
4: <laughs> it does, but it's truth.
1: I know it's one of. Those. But when
4: you put it that way, fuck this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: really. So um, I'm not going to lead on this one because I have way too much fondness for this. Um, for me personally so I don't I'm never really comfortable leading on ones I'm super fond of so I don't know who wants to take the lead and review on this but
3: uh, uh I'll pass on this one I'll take the lead on part two if that's alright with everybody
1: that's fine with me Will right. you, you
2: want
3: it well I did want to lead on three but I guess I'll
2: lead on this well
4: one you know what unless, unless DZ well, wants to. hold on I, I, I guess I could go ahead and start because yeah. you know really this movie starts on a whole you know misunderstanding Michael thought it was his turn to penetrate his sister Yes, <laughs> that's what it starts with. Yes, mm-hmm. um, God, I I have about two pages of notes, and it just seemed like it got progressively more notey <laughs> as I went along. <laughs> um, I feel almost like an abusive husband when it comes to you know looking at movies that I love because it's like you know I'm only tearing you apart because I love you. <laughs> yeah, no, well. um,
2: that's good though because I think it's important we don't just fawn over them because I do.
4: That's what my fear is.
2: Critique. I do have some critique on. On uh, specifically the first and second film.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, okay, let us let me start off with <clears throat> the budget. Apparently, you know, obviously they only had, like, I think, 300000 uh, to make this movie. And by the way, they made their money back in spades. Um, yeah. I think this is the movie that made, you know, like an indie movie that made the most <coughs> before Blair Witch came along, like what, almost 30 years later? Yeah. That's right, 20. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, when you watch it, it's interesting because it takes place on Halloween night. But where the hell is everybody on the streets? It's like everybody went out on a dinner date. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, that was a funny thing. I just listened to the we were talking social. about. Yeah, I listened to the Show Show review of it. And they're like, you know, what? What? <laughs> this we're is gonna. Halloween, the year when all parents are irresponsible.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting because, and I'll bring it up uh, this up again in this uh, when we talk about the second one, but um. Uh, yeah it's like where the hell is everyone and why is it everybody's across the street from one another and yet no one's no know- knows what the hell is going
1: on <laughs> well that could be that could um, almost be a statement for modern days you know or you know
4: like i don't even know i don't even know, don't even know my neighbors anymore true i'd agree with that um okay so gosh i don't i'm not even really sure how to go uh, with this i'll just kind of go just by can, my notes here. yeah just kind
1: of um, go by your notes and you know just just yeah, just go with it. Man. Just you know, cut as you go, go as you go. We're here.
4: Well, you know, we start with uh, Michael, you know, uh, killing his sister. And first of all, that must be the quickest sex scene because they go up, and the next thing you know, the guy's leaving the house like two <laughs> seconds later. <laughs> oh yeah. So I, I don't even know if she was really you know because one of the tropes of horror is that you get killed if you commit like you know uh, premarital sex, uh, drugs, et cetera, et cetera. And this movie actually doesn't follow that even though it was supposedly the one that established the rules yes and because but, there's no I, i'm sorry a, a two, a, there was no way that they had sex unless you know michael was just tired of seeing his sister fucking guys constantly <laughs> While their <laughs> parents are out i don't i don't see the connection here
1: <laughs> that was that was an 11 or 12 year old uh, will getting his first action is what that was
4: yeah well, that would explain it
2: <laughs> Yeah, man, it's uh, you know just a little quick hit and run, just <laughs> trigger splash, <Jack>. <laughs> splash.
1: <laughs> like, oh, that feels good. Oh, god, I, I'm done.
2: <laughs> I do want to say before I forget is I found interesting that Carpenter borrowed a shot in the beginning sequence of this film from another film we've covered on the show, *Making County Line*. Oh yeah. And at the time, no one would have realized that, but it's it, well, a very iconic moment in the beginning of this film. That is uh, is lifted wholeheartedly, uh, completely from uh, making tiny lines. So mm,
1: nice, nice.
4: Um, anyway, so <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> uh, the conversation in the car with uh, Loomis and the nurse is is probably the most chilling, you know, conversation that we have in the series um, because mm-hmm. you know you've got this doctor who's supposed to be compassionate, and even the nurse says that's really compassionate. You know, talk about him. He wants to keep Michael in because he knows that he's purely evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that the, the opening sequence really kind of plays out very chillingly, because, and it's very minimal too. It's like you don't really see the hospital; you just see the fence, and you go, "Okay, that could have been any fence." And then you know, the nurse makes a comment, with since when do they let the uh, let them wander <coughs> around, especially in the middle of the night in the rain?" It's like um, <laughs> yeah. clues, guys. Hello. <laughs> Something's gone wrong here. Yeah, but um, yeah, that whole opening sequence is probably uh, one of the three most uh, you know chilling parts I think that's in the film. I would um, I would say that the
1: opening to Halloween is arguably for me one of the it's definitely one of the top ten openings to a film uh, just because of the sheer use of uh, the Panaglide camera which you'll go on to be called the Steadicam. Mm-hmm. Um. And the way Carpenter decided to do it all in first person. Of course, first person would become the kind of trope of uh, many horror films through the late 70s and 80s. Yeah. And
4: then that was bar,
2: that was lifted from Giallo. Yeah, from Giallo well, films. Well, black, yeah, it was exactly, but Bob Clark did it, I think, four years earlier. Too, yeah, yeah, right?
1: yeah. No, yeah, Bob Clark did, and... Carpenter's never really given a lot of credit to Clark. I don't know if he ever saw any, uh, I don't know if he saw Black Christmas, but I do know that he gave credit to Argento and... Um,
2: oh, yeah, this was a nod to Jalos, because he yeah. loves
1: Jalos. Yeah, that did spe- right. specifically Deep Red, I know, on this one, and then yeah. there, there was another film, but I can't remember what it was off the top of my head that was influenced him a lot, but obviously looking through windows and, and watching all this stuff, it has almost... it. it, it it's that thing of the seventies, it has almost a De Palma feel too. So I have to feel like, you know you know, De Palma's making films at the same time, so you know, it feels very De Palma at the same time.
2: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it feels well, firstly the way they sort of fetishize the knife, the way the knife is sort of it, it freezes on the knife before it penetrates and it gives a bit of a sparkle. But the other interesting thing I found watching this film this time is it feels like Carrie in that for almost an hour of the film we're watching well-rounded, well-written teenage girls go about their lives, and then we're like, "Wait a second! We're an hour in. There hasn't really been a lot of blood or murder, just like in Carrie, right?" Right. You kind of get caught up in this female teenage soap opera to a degree, and it, and it's well done, but uh, it's yeah, it's on the
4: parallels. When I was watching, I was definitely going, "Okay, so there, you know." I remember a point when there, uh, horror movies had likable characters, where you're like, yes. "Okay, please don't let anything happen to PJ or, or Linda." Annie and um, and Laurie, because it's like they're so likable. I mean, yeah, they're typical teenagers, and there's you know, some where you go, well, she's the slut and she's the you know the wild girl and she's the bookish one, um, you know, however you connect to them, but they were likable and you're like, I don't yes. want to see anything bad happen to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now. So when did it's that archetypes. change? It's like, yeah, well, they're they're bad archetypes. Or, it's like or, everybody or has to be likable yeah. to justify killing them.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's almost like going forward in the genre they took like these caricatures these these three and like they they throttled them up it's like you know the slut had to be even sluttier the girl that was kind of a prude had to be even more prudish
4: it, it, i it, want the slut to like you know in one movie just to be at a, like a completely outrageous film but have a certain balance but have the slut fuck everyone in sight <laughs> and, and still and and be the actually, girl well, and still be the final girl. And they kind of play on that too with uh, Les- the uh, yeah, Leslie behind the mask movie. I love that sequence. Yeah. that turn around. We're like, what the fuck? But yeah. um, I was thinking, you know, okay, so when you look at like Jason and you look at um, uh, Michael Myers and they kind of, they were, they, you know, you're not supposed to just do don't, you know, don't have sex, blah, blah, blah. Um, but. They, these guys are virgins, <laughs> obviously, and it's like I'm wondering what what happened if you threw like a pack of prostitutes at them, and we're like stall them. We need to take them out of here. <laughs> hookers, fuck them. You need to divert. You deflower these motherfuckers so they lose all their powers. Stall
1: them. Can you imagine that scene? Stall them.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bunch of naked the hookers running. Unite.
4: <laughs> 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 Look a power.
2: It's season <laughs> Hubley, man. Yeah, there you go. Season <laughs> the hubly to slow him down. Yeah, although she was uh,
1: yeah. argument, she was built like a dude, man.
4: Yeah, she was. Okay, well, well let, let me ask you this: How did Michael find his way back to Hadenfield? Could you imagine a serial killer stopping and asking for directions? Yeah, like don't mind the mask. <laughs> yeah. Well, one
1: of the things that it, it is ridiculous, but one of the things I do kind of like about this film. Is that we get scenes with you know a slasher where he's driving a station wagon, Uh, you know he's uh, he's robbing in the daytime. (laughs) Yeah, he's out in the daytime. He's uh, he's he's robbing hardware stores. Uh, You know, I mean, he's just doing he's doing like everything wrong.
2: But but the thing of it is, is because we became so accustomed to nighttime was dangerous, daytime was safe. um, They were only going to show up when they were going to kill someone. They couldn't be amongst people without killing them. And by this point the template was being set so it, it was a lot more malleable in terms of what was going to happen and in a way it's it's certainly better because it feels more realistic and it feels that you know he's just he's just he's in the daytime like you said he's riding a, he's driving a station wagon and it feels more real than it did later on when it almost became yeah, you know, a super villain you know super slasher it's it it changed and became a lot more
4: um myopic in,
2: in what you were going to get mm-hmm. from the the killer
4: well, that's why I think uh, part two actually set more of the rules than the first one did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I agree with that. And I'm sure Aaron will probably talk about that when he talks about part two. So
4: uh, for show of hands, who was tell who was jealous of Tommy Doyle? I was. You get, yeah. you get Jamie Lee Curtis as your babysitter. Yeah. And apparently you're not they're not far from Annie and Linda. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, PJ PJ souls, by the way. I love her. I also love Jamie Lee Curtis. I've I've met both of them in uh, at signings, and they're both awesome. Oh, nice! That's very good to hear.
1: You, uh, Will, do you like PJ more than this one than you do in uh, I, Rock and Roll?
4: Yeah, she's
2: she's she's better as. Um, it, I, it was one of my notes. I love PJ in this. Um, she's a lot more convincible than she is as a rock and roller. Yes. Totally. <laughs> She's really cute in this, man. But the weird thing, yeah, she's she's
1: cute. She's cute and sexy in this. There's something. Yeah, kinda...
4: yeah she's definitely more cute than like you know hot girl. Where you know she's not sleazy. You know she's just no. a, a fun spirit.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Totally, just a fun girl. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, any girl that rides around the van, drinks beers, girl for me, man.
4: Yeah. <laughs> okay, Bob has a line at uh, <laughs> bringing up Linda. Bob has a line that's a little bit creepy, where he says, "Then we'll then we rip Lindsay's clothes off." Yeah, <laughs> Lindsay's the ten year old girl. I know, in man. This movie <laughs> so <Sorry>. disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> and PJ's like, "Yeah, yeah, we can do that."
1: Yeah. <laughs> again, it's one of those things where time different alters. Time, yeah, different time. You know, it, it alters it uh, of quite a bit. But it's it's it's, it's so disturbing to hear that kind of. And we'll talk about this again, like part three. When you hear these lines of dialogue and you're like, what the fuck did he just say? And, you know, it's like, wow, you know, nowadays, you know, even saying that, you could possibly go to jail. So, yeah.
4: (laughs) Okay, okay, uh, real quick. Does anybody know who the teacher was referencing uh, when they were were talking about fate?
3: Lori, right? Oh, you mean like who she was talking about in her speech?
4: Yeah, because she mentions fate caught up to Collins here, and then she mentions Samuel's fate is immovable. Fate never changes. And actually, I really yeah. liked that sequence, but I don't know uh, what book they were going over. I yeah, don't no know
2: either, that. but but I did notice a lot of stuff early on that felt very meta without trying to be meta, like a lot of talk of fate and um, just self-aware again without being show-offy about it. Like it was almost just yeah. I, I really I I noticed that and enjoyed it a lot. I dug it a oh, lot yeah. too
3: that was one of my notes i mean right off the bat you know the first time we see laurie in the classroom uh, her teacher's giving the speech about fate and you never see the teacher you just hear you know her voice and mm-hmm. then she's talking about fate and you know how you can't escape your destiny and all this stuff yeah the camera's just slowly zooming in on laurie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's not too long after that where she looks out and she sees uh you know michael Myers standing out in the distance or whatever
1: and so it's pretty you know he said, yeah, yeah so he's, he's sitting in the family subtle, truckster, it's bro. It's
3: subtle, but it's a... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No,
1: no. I was just saying he's sitting in the family truckster, bro. Yeah.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. No, but it's just a, a little subtle thing, but it's very, you know, prophetic at the same time. It's kind of like letting you know. Well,
4: there's another you know subtle know I mean? uh, thing, too. I don't know if you noticed the posters in Lori's room. James uh-huh. Ensor. There's the James Ensor poster. Oh,
2: yeah. Poster. I saw that.
4: Yeah. And his the reference to him is that he used to paint about people in masks. Oh, okay. So he was, you know, that was kind of like a sort of another meta moment. And, you know, it's one of the things once you start kind of uh, dissecting your favorite films, you start noticing these little weird nuances. Like, well, why was that poster chosen? Kind of like in Lost Boys. It's like, why was there a poster (laughs) of uh Rob Lowe showing his midriff in his closet yeah <laughs> it's like, that's you like right. you know why later but <laughs> and the oily saxophone man oh no and the singing in the bathtub uh, yeah <laughs> anyway going back to this movie um yeah so there's these little you know literary uh drops that I think are really kind of neat um to see in a horror film yeah absolutely you know? because Carpenter's a pretty smart dude you know and he yeah. he loves films you know this and it's like yeah he hasn't really done a whole lot lately but um in his early career it's like yeah it was some really good stuff and i, I love little james enser drop and then of course the talk the discussion about fate which is foreshadowing without being too forceful mm-hmm. yeah
1: well we've argued on this show that outside above uh, the last 10 years the carpenter's filmography is the most consistent of any of yes. the of the frat pack so to speak of the of the horror genre the george romero's and the uh, oh definitely you know, all these guys that if you looked at Carpenter's through line and again, I'm taking out the last 10 years or so. Uh, and even though, you know, ghost of Mars is definitely a Carpenter film, but if definitely if you take out the ward, which is definitely doesn't even feel like a Carpenter film, no. um, he's really the most consistent, uh, of all those directors, um, which, and you the know,
2: most varied, the most varied in the world of genre too.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that he would come out of that as the one, because therefore, well, I thought he wouldn't, he wouldn't, I thought, I, I Thought that you know, I, for some strange reason, for a long time, I thought Romero was the guy. But you know, oh, I'm, not
4: even close, not even close.
1: Yeah, As time's gone on,
4: even though well, no, I think Romero got a little too much into his own politics. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, he got absorbed. In I that.
4: don't disagree with his politics necessarily, but you know, you don't want to get wrapped up into that too much.
1: Well, I kind of, all. I kind of admire that Carpenter like never went back to the well. Like he could have went back and did yeah. more Halloween films. He could have went back and done more slasher films. But he kind of never really went back to that, whereas nope. Romero kind of didn't have a choice. He kind of tried some different things, but he was always the dead guy. So mm-hmm. he really didn't have a choice. It's like, you know, dude, do you want to keep making movies? Make dead movies. I'll let you make as many movies as you want. But if you're going to make something else, uh, you know. <laughs> you're going to try something different like a bruiser or something night like riders. that yeah <laughs> or night riders <laughs> <Martin>. you know <laughs> yeah. yeah or martin even martin's good though martin yeah no yeah.
4: i know well and actually i kind of like bruiser i like what the message is oh know, i like bruiser Plung too
1: and and i and yeah, I, same here. I like night riders as well but it's for a different yeah, reason in ways. yeah for different yeah. reasons but it's it's you know he never carpenter never really had to return to the well too much uh no. or at least it didn't seem that way i don't know i mean if, if i was to review all the films no, you know what I'm thinking about? Just the ones I know off the top of my head. He really didn't kind of return to the well. He will.
2: is the most diverse and and un- and the most consistently very good to great filmmaker in genre film ever, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, what and I we'll find defi-
4: interesting we'll is. I'll uh... oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Finish.
3: No, I was just going to say we'll definitely talk about returning to the well uh, once we get to Halloween, too. So. Yeah, to uh, go ahead.
4: <laughs> well, what I find interesting about Carpenter is he really wanted to do westerns, but he like he missed it by about ten years. Yeah, no, no. And but he ended up making a western when you think about Ghost of Mars Salt- and Assault on Precinct
2: Thirteen, Rio Bravo, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. And you're right there. Uh, well, like he he got he was able to slide some of that in, and I always found that interesting <laughs> that he was like, yeah, and well, even the fog has this kind of like. Uh, like a ghost um, quality of, uh, of pirates, pirates being yes. cowboys or at least bandits. So hey, yeah, yep.
1: a Ghost of Mars essentially is Assault on Precinct Thirteen.
4: Yeah,
2: which means it's real Bravo. <laughs>
1: yes, I mean you know so in, I, space. I mean, space. in space, in space
3: with
2: ghosts and
3: holy shit, so Yeah, and Jason Statham
1: <laughs> and too much Marilyn Manson. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, so going back to Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> one. Um you know, and Lori's not so innocent too. She is oh. smoking pot with Annie okay. at one
2: point. Yep. Yeah. Which is good because it's not it shows the characters well rounded. It's not again the rigid um the template that we became accustomed to later on.
4: Right. Um and and who wouldn't want a comic book with uh starring Laser Man, Neutron Man and Tarantula Man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. That I always loved that scene. Oh you know and that reminds me of myself as a kid. In a lot of ways, I mean, I would, you know, constantly whoever was babysitting me because my mom and dad both had to work and they worked really crazy shifts and stuff. And I was always trying to turn whatever babysitter and it was always a female. And this is a life lesson for all of you out there who might be listening to this who are age inappropriate. (laughs) But uh, don't try to turn your hot babysitter on with comic books because trust me, bro, it doesn't work. No, Uh, no, you just
4: got the wrong babysitter. You need to filter (laughs) them out with your parents, please. There there are. are manga girls out there.
1: But I did grow up in an <laughs> I did grow up in an era where, you know, I was baby sat, so to speak, and uh the babysitter would, you know, smoke pot in front of me and and uh drink and this is this was common for me. This was not nice. uh, uncommon and uh <laughs> you know there was some fooling around, I'm not gonna lie. Which Whoa, you know nowadays shimmy. now nowadays she would uh that, that babysitter would be in jail probably. <laughs> so hey. Everybody got uh, everybody got quiet all of a sudden. Yeah.
3: Sorry, I was just picturing you with the babysitter. Mm-hmm. I'm done with the mm-hmm. show. Made you made me very uncomfortable.
1: No, there was there was no no actual loss of innocence, just some uh, you know some you know kissing and and rubbing.
4: I like how you're how you're about. Uh, 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 it's okay, Rick. It yeah.
1: happened. No, no, no. There was no loss of innocence. I can say that. I wish there would have been, but there was no loss of just innocence. Just on her part, not yours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think. <laughs> I think this. I think. I think the shovel, this metaphorical shovel that I've brought out, is getting yeah. is digging, is digging getting one, one hell brother. of a hole. Yeah. <laughs>
4: okay. Well, let, let's. Uh, who got excited when there was uh, uh, on the screen a couple times a thing from another world and Forbidden Planet? Yeah. Oh Very yeah. Nice. And he uh, ended up making the thing, which is the one of the all time best freaking horror sci fi movies out there.
3: Yeah. yeah, I wonder if I wonder if he knew he was gonna make it at the time, or if he had the script written because this was like three or four years uh, before he did the thing. So, yeah. maybe, was it a coincidence, or maybe a little foreshadowing, or something? Or
4: I feel like it was. I think, a, I think, well, I think sometimes it's just you know, he loved the thing from Another World, and he's said it you know several times that he loved uh, the movie as a kid. Um, that it it was probably a, a dream job, or it's like you know I'm gonna yeah. throw these references to things mm. I like, uh-huh. even if I don't get to make them.
1: I feel like it was it was like the Peter Jackson King Kong thing that like Jackson wanted to make Kong his whole life and he just needed to get to the point where he could make Kong. And he finally got to make his Kong. But that's what I feel like the thing was. I feel like, you know, Carpenter wanted to make the thing for a long time. But, uh, you know, finally, when he had some success, uh, he got a chance to make it. So Mm -hmm. which ultimately is a weird thing, because if if (laughs) no joke, no pun intended. It ultimately is weird, though, because uh, you know the film bombed, and you know he took it very personal. Uh, so,
2: a lot of his films didn't um, do well on their initial release, and now he's been vindicated with a lot of his films, and it's too bad, but mm-hmm. you know that's the way it went.
1: This might well, be this might be his big biggest 80s? hit. I'm
4: sorry.
1: No, I'm that's okay. I, I'm, you know, we're we're across time zones here. There's this, that's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing uh, that this might be, it might be his biggest hit. It might be financially his biggest hit out of all his films. This one uh, film.
4: You notice that with the 80s, um, a lot, you know, we're seeing a lot, and because we've come of age, you know, from having grown up in the 80s, um, you're seeing a lot of these directors who, like, even Monster Squad didn't do well in theaters, and yet, and same with Night of the Creeps, but now Ted Decker is getting a lot of, you know, hype about it, and it's like, but he, his career died.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. His his career completely died. It's yeah. sad. Yeah, RoboCop
4: three. That was the end of that. Yeah. It's just too bad because Monster Squad Night of the Well Night of the Creeps more than in you know, Monster Squad. It's just it's a fun fun film it's such a genre man.
2: love film. Well, Ted yeah.
4: De- Ted Decker was the com- the second is coming. Is
2: it Ted or Rick Decker?
4: Uh, no,
1: I think it's Ted Decker and I he is I, I believe he. Uh, I'm thinking
2: of Rick Deckard. Sorry.
1: <laughs> okay. He, <laughs> I thought I thought Decker was going to be the second coming. I thought he was going to be like the '80s answer to a lot of these horror guys. I thought he was going to be like the next great horror filmmaker, and then he just disappeared.
4: I think Ramey kind of took up that mantle, um, in terms of style.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ramey's style would become synonymous with a lot of things and couldn't, I just brought this up recently on Facebook, you know, filmmakers like Robert Rodriguez and people like that, you can see Ramey all over that kind of stuff, the influence of the 80s stuff. But,
4: uh, I I didn't think it'll probably be another 10 or 20 years before we go, oh yeah, it's definitely a Ramey's, a Ramey reference. And it's like, I'm surprised we're not seeing it more now, but yeah, i he definitely has had influence, and I don't think people have you know, caught onto it yet. No. It's like yes, Spider-Man's director yeah. had some really cool shit back in the '80s,
1: before he became Spider-Man director, right? But the uh, the the fact that somebody like Decker would get completely ruined by something like RoboCop, and we're kind of getting off point here, so we'll get back. But it just kind of <laughs> it kind of blows my mind that you know this guy. I mean, and, and RoboCop Three is a bad film, but the, it just kind of blows my mind that. Big franchise pitcher would ruin a director, whereas not you know not, nothing personal because his personal films, Monster Squad and Night of the Creeps, didn't ruin him. But then this big film just completely destroyed well,
2: there's, him. There's more at stake and more money to be lost from outside sources, right? Well, his
1: his experience on the film too made him go away. He 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 literally, cho- think- he chose to walk away. I can tell you that. I can tell you guys that.
4: Yeah, and and I think the reason why we're even bringing up Ted Decker is because Carpenter did disappear. Um, For quite a while there. It wasn't until, what, Cigarette Burns, really, that he uh, decided to come back into filmmaking.
1: Yeah, man. You like smoking weed and watching basketball, bro.
4: And playing video games.
1: (laughs) Yes. NBA K2, what was it it called? NBA 2K12 or something like that.
4: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Guy loves video games. Video
4: games games ruin people, man. (laughs) No.
1: What are you saying, man? I'm playing
4: one right now while you're you're talking. (laughs) NBA Live 95 for life. I'm watching Halloween 4. I'm not listening to you guys at all. Um, okay, so who thought it was weird that Michael... Can anyone explain why he stole his sister's headstone? Uh,
2: that, uh, I, I don't know. I think it, it becomes more about the cinematic aspect of Laurie in this house of horrors with these bodies kind of positioned in a way almost like ritual and ceremony and just kind of this house of horrors. But that headstone looks really cheap and looked like one of those foam ones that's just spray-painted gray. <laughs>
4: Uh, I know how to make those, and they're easier to lift. Here, here's yeah. yeah. Here's all I
1: can say about that scene. It if you apply logic to that stuff, it makes no sense. Okay, it's ridiculous that he even has the foresight to, to want to create this set piece. You know, yeah, here, here he is. Yeah. He's a killer, and he's thinking. Yeah. You, know cool? <laughs> yeah. you know what would be cool? You know what the- would be cool is blow
4: their fucking <laughs> minds. If I steal my dead sister's headstone and I put it in the bed decorate the and, house with the bodies. Yeah.
2: Can, yeah, can you imagine him, like, the, it's sort of like, the again, the Leslie Vernon thing, like, can you imagine he, In a, like his running monologue uh, in his head, like, oh shit, she's going to be in five minutes, I better get this body in place, and the arm's flopping out, and he's like, fuck, stay in there, and he's getting the arm back, yeah. it's, it's just And he's daintily walking that.
4: behind her as she enters the room, <laughs> it's like, Shh.
1: Yeah, I would love a, a, a deleted scene of watching him try to carry that tombstone or that headstone, a tombstone. Well, I guess it is a tombstone. I like to seeing him carry it, you know, carrying that up the fucking steps.
4: Yeah, I hi. see him falling down the stairs the right a couple times. Him, right? and he's, he's grabbing his back and shit. Yeah, yeah. Or,
1: or at least at least a scene of him. Yeah, at least a scene of him throwing it in the back of the station wagon. Yeah. You no, know,
4: even better, you see him he's just laying on the floor with the headstone on top of him because it fell on him, and he's like, "Ah, oh, fuck, I can't kill now." Yeah. Hopefully he had his steel toes on, then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's going to have the hammer, the throbbing Looney Tunes hammer toe, otherwise. <laughs> it's not light.
4: Oh, and I didn't notice this before, but Michael's a fucking heavy breather. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Again, okay, it comes so back to
4: that, that mask
2: thing we talked about, right? The pass-out mask? Is that what you called it?
4: Yep, pass out mask, and he's got one covering his entire head, and he refuses to take it off. It's like, oh, I need a break. Smelled terrible on yeah. the inside. <laughs> I can imagine. And hopefully, it wasn't a smoker like Carpenter. Yeah. It even worse. <laughs> I would
1: again. I would love to see the scene of him digging that headstone over that mask on. You know, fighting, <laughs> fighting with it, motherfucker.
4: I didn't plan this out well. Oh, yeah.
1: oh. I'm seriously I'm seriously committed to this thing.
2: <laughs> he's un- he's unzipping his his um
4: his coveralls.
1: Yeah, he's like he's sure. Like
4: tie- and like tying it around his waist.
1: Yeah, he's tied.
4: <laughs> he's in his wife theater, turns out he's really a black man. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no trick or treat. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said under his breath, man. When Laurie came in the room, ain't no trick or treat. I'm trying to kill this fucking holiday. That's what my whole master plan is. <laughs> yep.
1: Oh. Okay. Yeah.
4: Well, anyway, the reason why I bring up the heavy breathing is that Annie can't get into her car, but somehow Michael mystically appears in the car. She goes to get her keys and she comes back and was able to get in automatically, but then she noticed that there's um, steam on the windows.
1: Yeah. Now yeah, the uh, the mist. He is a heavy breather. Which, which which you know I like I like that stuff though because you know if it's a oh, yeah. if it's a, if it's a cool crisp fall night Halloween night uh, you know if he's in that car chances are you know he is gonna you know fog him up I mean you know especially if he just got done cutting that gravestone out of the ground <laughs> he's like Phew, man I got to kill somebody
4: figured out the mystery yeah there you go.
1: He's like, fuck, Look, that and was and heavy. I
4: like that sequence too, especially since uh, we see Annie so fucking haphazard. She seems to fall into shit. She gets stuck trying to break out of the uh, uh, laundry room window. Oh,
1: yeah. Great oh, co- yeah. great, great
4: cotton panties, man. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of my babysitting days again. You what? Excuse
4: me? He and Bob oh, are oh. the worst investigators ever. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, uh, to, hey, There's, a, there's a strange noise. Why don't you two go out and,
2: check and find out what's
1: going on? What would, would you say, Will?
2: Deezy's getting progressively more
3: echoey.
1: Oh, is he, well, he sounds fine on my end. Okay, so, good. That's so, all that so, matters. Yeah. So I think
3: you're a little bit of an echo too. Well, no, you yeah, got you're, you're both echoing to me.
1: You guys sound fine on this end. So until it sounds bad on the end that's recording, we're we're good to go. I'll let all you guys right. know you though. Can, you can cut this out. Although I do want to remind everybody, we got to about 7, so we need to, you know. Oh. DZ, you might want to.
4: Okay, <laughs> okay let me go quick. Bob Seth is still one of the scariest in uh, slasher history.
1: Yeah, even yeah. though it makes no sense to me that Michael would put the glasses over front of a ghost sheet, but hey. Teach Throne.
4: Um, but PJs, or. Are- Linda's death is um, is really disturbing because you can kind of imagine it happening to a degree. It's like, it, is, it also reminds me of the urban legend of the radio call in murder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if you reference that because later on you see Lori trying to get help after she's been attacked. The neighbor ignores her and reminds me of the Kitty Genevieve um, story.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, screaming that nobody came to help type thing.
4: Which, by the way, turns out to be an urban legend. On further investigation, they found that people actually couldn't see her. Yeah. And some people did respond to it. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it, they throw in a few little urban legends here and there, which at the time they probably really believed in. Um, but um, I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, thing to have in detail. And actually, I picked up on that in a couple of the other movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, is that is that uh, pretty much your notes? Did you?
4: Oh, oh, and Laurie is a uh, master of improvised weapons. <laughs> Ditty needle to the rescue and uh, coat hanger. Hello. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She's the Shokasugi of slasher films.
4: Yeah. I wish other you know final girls were as resourceful as she was. <laughs>
2: Well, that's what made. That's again the template. They do become resourceful. And look at my favorite of the Friday Thirteenth series, Part Three. She sets up traps.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she, she played a lot of mousetrap growing up. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, watched a lot of Wile E. Coyote. Oh, yeah.
4: oh and um, uh, for the final sequence where you see her Lori in the uh, closet and she's being attacked, did anyone think uh, this is like the shark attack and a, a person's in a cage?
2: Yeah, that's a great a great um, comparison. That's actually my favorite moment in the film. I just think it's it, it it's really uh, a it's frantic scene. And did you see the Rob Lopo poster in that room, bearing midriff?
4: In that closet. <laughs> and Corey Haim was singing in the bathtub at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: it's it's a visceral scene, right? It's it's the most it uh it's the most aggressive Michael gets. Yeah, it is so it, it, kind of the emotion seems
4: desperate like he knows that okay yeah. I've got to get her now this is my last chance because this bitch has been getting away yeah
1: well he knows what he knows is he's like I got to get her I got to get her because I didn't pick that fucking headstone up for nothing motherfuckers
4: that's right <laughs> <laughs> I ain't dropping clues for nothing Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: okay so uh, who wants to go next anybody uh, anybody I'll
2: go if no one else wants to go Um. yeah go ahead okay so um Okay, that's it. that's extreme. So it doesn't matter. But this <laughs> I I will say is probably the best American score for a, a horror film that I can think of.
1: Well, yeah. To tops this for me. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to top. It really is. I mean it I mean you heard the big chunk of the uh, intro here. I mean it's it's still like iconic. iconic. I just yeah. think it's my favorite. Too. <clears throat> well, it, the simplicity of it is is mm-hmm. my favorite thing. Uh, it's just these little piano pieces. I mean, I just play the intro piece. I mean, but the, throughout the film, there's a couple other pieces, and they're just real simple piano pieces, and they work.
2: You know what Sting doesn't work for me?
1: It's the da <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kind of cheap sounding. I've always thought
1: that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the car, I looked for the Carpenter Sting because every time you guys were going to say something I agreed with, I was going to play it on the show.
4: da <laughs> 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 Um, well, I like shot. that Carpenter was also the person to create the music for this movie, and he watched yes. the film and would hit, play with his keyboard to get the right tone yep
1: yep well, this okay, was I back in the day this is back in the tone. day when you actually had to tune uh synthesizers. you had to actually tune them like a manual instrument so
4: yeah, and
2: it's a thing he became known for his synthy stuff, but this is you know before that stuff became um the genre was laden with it. Shot by our main man, our main DOP, Dean Cundy.
1: Yeah, Dean Cundy. All three
2: of our, these films have one yeah. of our favorites.
1: And they all look great, in my opinion.
2: They all look very, very good. And, um, piece of trivia Tommy Lee Wallace is the associate, or excuse me, the assistant producer and the production design in this one. Mm-hmm. And it comes full circle for him when he gets to direct the third one. So, yeah. very cool. Um, I saw a name in the credits I'd never seen before Cool with a K, Cool Lusby. Out of an interesting credit. Huh.
1: I didn't see that. So, so many times I've seen this film. Yeah, many times I've seen yeah. this
2: film. Is <laughs> that <Except> proto-hip-hop? <laughs> Maybe so, man. Uh, DJ. How do you feel, Illinois? It makes it feel real. You know, this film, it has dates, it has times, it has places. It has sort of a, a matter-of-fact feel to it,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: which I like. Uh, it reminds me of Suspiria with this, the sequence with um, Loomis and the nurse in the rain. It's like when uh, Jessica Harper is coming into the um, academy in the rain.
1: Yeah, the harsh, the harsh dashboard light too, kind of reminds me of Suspiria.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I love that moment DZ talked about when they pull up to the, um, <laughs> the, the asylum, and he says, "Since when did they, they let them wander around?" And you get just the headlights on these guys, uh, just kind of wandering aimlessly in the in the, the, the yard.
1: Yeah, Dean Cundy, the master of headlight lighting, he did yeah. it. He did it in the fog too, man.
2: Yeah, so good. Uh, <laughs> charles Seifer's great in this i wish that he hadn't been given the short shrift in part two because he works really fantastically and he again he's another kind of character that became a lot more one note as the genre went on Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: right him and saxon were kind of the the likable sheriff parent uh, types if a little absent at times but yeah it's not about them so they don't need to be focused too much. I love some of, kind of these low, kind of wide-sweeping shots across the suburban lawns, whether it's daytime or nighttime. Yeah. They work quite well. And even the leaves blowing in. Um, what's interesting is this film was shot in California. and
1: During the spring, I think. Uh,
2: and you guys, if the West Coast, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys don't get a lot of, of falling leaves, do you?
1: Well, I think DZ does. <laughs> well,
2: that's uh, what I'm saying, because I know Aaron, Aaron lived in the West Coast for a while.
4: Well, we will get you know, changed in seasons um yeah. but Is not it enough it, the leaves it, it those enough leaves them. were the wrong color yeah there we go okay.
3: yeah with yeah, this definitely- they, they really had to uh mask the fact that it was in california they uh added leaves on the ground they tried their best to block out like palm trees in the background if you look really close you can still see some but yeah oh, nice.
1: yeah you got to look really close though they did a pretty good job
3: yeah they mm-hmm. had an eye on that knowing that so
2: that's cool um this is the first film, so Loomis is still reasonably restrained.
3: He's a bundle of nerves, oh, yeah. but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets progressively crazier yeah. as the series goes along.
1: Yeah, yeah, Which
4: both... actually is appropriate when you think about yes. who he's chasing and what he yeah. thinks is going on. <laughs> yeah.
2: Totally, totally. Um, there's some dog death in this, and I couldn't help but think of Sammy, our oh, favorite yeah. dog yeah.
1: lover. Yeah, the, uh, the German shepherd hug.
4: <laughs> okay, actually, just real quick, I have kind of a list. I, I somehow managed to list out the deaths in order, uh-huh. and the dog's <laughs> name was Lester, and that was number three. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it and was Lester, the, wasn't it? The sister was killed at the beginning, <laughs> the trucker was killed off screen, Lester was killed, then it was Annie, then, then Bob, and then DJ. Uh, <laughs> Is it spoiling anything? I
1: don't, I don't think so.
4: We know people are going to.
1: It's not a twist-ending film, so I don't think it can spoil anything. I mean, it is a slasher.
2: I like that, and Aaron and I were talking about this the other night, Halloween is never about the spectacle of the kills. It's never about the money shot of the kills. It's about how frightening and nerving this evil shape is um, that's stalking people. Yeah. And the kills are very much just stab, and even more than that, they're very intimate with choking and... They're just kind of blunt, and they're just brutal.
1: Yeah, yeah. He doesn't.
2: It's th- never that that knocking someone's head off on the top of a building in New York City type <laughs> thing.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the, the Jason thing became the the like special effects. Like, what can we do? And then, mm-hmm. the, of course, the 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 Nightmare on Elm Street thing became a little bit more like that too. But it came it became that with puns, right? And yeah. then and then this became this this film in particular because it did eventually get to the point where Michael was using more instruments of death.
2: That's it like the four
4: or five and so yeah.
1: on. Even in two, he got a little bit more crazy, you know, with the uh, with the hot tub.
4: Yeah. But, but two it, it is a weird themed type. thing and we'll get into that. Yeah. But
1: he but I do like that this one is very much you know, it's almost like this yellow thing. It's a very intimate uh death. So, you know, the knife stabbing is very intimate. You can't stab yeah. somebody from 200 yards, you have to be right there. So,
4: unless you're throwing, it's no, definitely hands on. Even Jason uses a ranged weapon in part three.
1: <laughs> Jason uses Jason's like the world's worst, like the world's scariest landscaper. He, he uses anything that he can get a hold of, man. It's like
2: a mm-hmm. weed eater. You got a weed eater, yeah. This is all this film features <laughs> the best of the Michael Myers head tilts after he kills someone. Part two uses it too much, and it gets a bit ridiculous, yeah. It's done well here, but then it gets overused and it kind of it becomes sort of silly. Um, beyond the closet scene, my favorite moment in the film, and I wonder how this looks on blue because I only have these DVDs on DVD, is when that incredible reveal of Michael in the shadow, the shadowy doorway, mm-hmm. I've heard that in, in on blue um, you can see his outline more, whereas it's revealed gradually when you see it on DVD.
1: No, you can still, it's still very effective on Blu-ray. Okay. It's uh, it's still completely dark, but you just see it sooner.
4: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: Because of the That's definition good. clarity, so.
4: Sure. Oh, um, just real quick, you know how some people talk about the strangers having some really scary sequences where yep. you see the character in the foreground, and there's the killer in the background, and you're like, you're chilled because she's just not aware of the presence? Mm-hmm. Well, this movie did it first. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. And that's an underrated film, to not digress, but I think that film is one of the better efforts in horror of the past five, six years. Not yeah. a perfect film, but it, it does some things well. Um, what else? I think, so, you know, in looking at it from a critical eye this time, I found some of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's kind of screaming and frantic stuff kind of awkward and kind of bad. Oh, yeah. Like when she's like, you have to go to the McKenzie's house. It just, I don't know. It, 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 was, it wasn't very good.
4: Hmm. I don't know. Well it's sure. like she had to say a line but at at a point where it's like well why wouldn't she just take the kids and go and just not yeah. explain anything? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know, maybe the logic there being that, you know, you feel like with children you have to explain things?
2: Maybe. But she was a little hung out to drive over and over again. Oh yeah, she was. She was over and over and over again. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) she was a little hung out to drive. But you know, I don't know. I I, I feel different. Yeah, I don't. I feel differently about that only because of the time period the film was released and how that would become so much the template for the final girl in so many ways. This the raving, screaming until until modern era, the nineties, where the girls would fight back even more.
3: Yeah, those are all my notes. Aaron, you got anything? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll go over a few things. Uh, let me turn my volume down so I don't hear myself echo really bad. <laughs> um, fuck, that's a really bad echo. How about you go ahead, Rick?
1: <laughs> I can hear you just a little bit on that echo, but barely. But, okay, I'll, let's go over a few things. Uh, again, I talked about the opening of this film. I certainly love it. Um, if not just for the the effect it has, but also the uh, the technology at the time using this... Uh, this uh, Panaglide camera Man, right. they call, yeah they called it Panaglide then wasn't called steady cam yet but just the way it's used it's all one shot it, they don't cut until uh, they throw the mask on the camera so it's really nice uh, i'm always been a big fan of long takes anyway but this that's a pretty impressive amount of uh choreography they had to pull off there i think and i do know from listening to the commentary for years because i had this on laserdisc that uh um you know, there was people with radios all throughout the house, and I've always looked for them, you know, to see if I could find somebody, like, hanging out behind a curtain or something. But there was people all over the place saying, okay, he's coming in the house now with a camera. Okay, he's this old, okay, come down the steps now. You know, there was they had all this choreography going on. Um, but I do, I do think it's funny that, you know, it is the arguably the quickest sex in any horror film. Uh, it's very quick. Uh, the guy was really worked up. Uh, she was really good. Yeah, so. <laughs> she's very good. She seems satisfied. the vagina. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> for me, the the key to this film, and the key to the Halloween films, especially one and two, it, and even three to some sense, is the is the myth of the boogeyman, the the boogeyman itself. Whereas I've always felt like with the Friday Thirteenth, I feel like it's like the pornographic version of the of the boogeyman because it's full on. Uh, you know, literally full on. If you think about Friday 13th, it's after part one, it's literally just, you know, kill, 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 kill as much as possible. Uh, there is a lot of setup in those films, but it is like these pornographic, you know, excessive, explicit killings. Uh, yeah. And and, and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is more of the, you see more of the, outside of the first film, I should say, the first film is more of a standard horror film, but the, the, uh, second through most of the rest of the films it's more of the 80s horror comedy thing. Yeah. You get a lot of that throughout the the Nightmare on Elm Street thing. So and it's, it's still kind of explicit and stuff, but it's more about the the ridiculousness of it or the craziness or the funny joke of it. The the Schwarzenegger of serial killers is what I've always called uh, Freddy. The uh, great the great one-liners. Um well, I I say great, but I don't mean that. Uh, <laughs> but the uh the the what will kind of touched on with the Halloween films is that you know especially these first two is that they're, these things are intimate they're they're much more different and I think what works best for this film is me is it's it's shot wide widescreen and it seems like this this big neighborhood but really it's a small area it's a small town quote unquote Haddonfield's evidently the small town it seems big with these intimate moments in it and somehow Carpenter with editing and putting together these pieces he puts together this really nice. Um, kind of urban myth this you know this legend that of the boogeyman this thing that would become synonymous with the holiday and everything else so i've always kind of liked that the most i like that you know, the way the myers is always around like this is an era before you know people are aware of the slasher or the crazy guy walking around with the uh you know janitor outfit on and a mask during the day yeah. like dude you know halloween doesn't start for a while like, aren't you a little old? Uh I like that he exists and people just are kind of oblivious to him. I like that... What I like about this film is that adults are oblivious to the actual terror because they've become so comfortable in their ways.
2: Which can ex- which can explain the absence of adults, right? Yeah, If you look exactly. at it from that slant. Which Even, I've never really had a problem with the um, empty streets or the empty host- hospital in part two.
1: Yeah, and then, that, and then that's what I like about these films. I like that the adults... Because pe- you can argue. You can argue all day long. People... Now they're more on edge, but back in those days, and I can remember this, man. Like I said, I was sent on my own to go trick-or-treating. I'd take, I'd take care of my brother. He's three years younger than me, so it was my job to watch over him, make sure nothing happened to him, but we were on our own. Anybody could have grabbed us. Anybody could have done anything. My mom and dad, it's not that they didn't care. It's just they didn't think about it. You didn't think about it. Nowadays you do. And I think that if you look at these films with a logical sense of 2012, that they seem some of the stuff seems a little ridiculous. Now, granted, the Headstone thing's ridiculous in any era. Because we've we've all tried to move headstones, right? Uh-uh, I guess not in
4: 1978.
1: <laughs> yeah, back then they were just uh, you know they weren't marble; they were uh, you know evidently some kind of fake rock. They're foam, I guess. Foam, yo. <laughs> but uh, I, I think if you if you apply the logic of that to these this era of filmmaking, it it it, it kind of defeats the purpose of the boogeyman myth. So, to me, that's what the film's all about. It's all about the boogeyman. It doesn't it doesn't have to make logical sense because. The boogeyman doesn't make sense, so it just it, it all kind of makes it all kind of works for me that way. I also think, and this is really my last note because we've covered just about everything of this film. Uh, the revisit of the areas at the end of the film with the cutting and the music, it's, I think that's pure uh, cinematic genius.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'll be talking about that soon. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right, so uh, you got well, something to on?
3: tie everything
4: up? Um, here's a phone number to call if you want a hot date: <laughs> seven nine eight. <laughs> six eight six one <laughs> is that your number <laughs> no that is the number that is that is on the line outside of the school when Lori and uh, Linda are leaving nice nice nice
1: also like that Lori doesn't wear a bra throughout the film most of the film. so well
4: that's thank- how she gains her powers oh, yeah thank Jiggle. you
1: thank you Jamie Lee Curtis um, yeah. hey Aaron she, you, got any- go. you got anything buddy
3: uh, yeah, I'll add two things uh, before we get to the scores and stuff. Okay. Um, it's something we kind of touched on earlier, but uh, in hindsight, you know, as goofy as the thought of Michael Myers driving is, the shots of him driving are actually pretty cool yeah. because of how they're shot.
1: I like how he slams on the brakes that one moment. It's pretty funny. Hey, day
3: yeah. yeah. jerk, speed kills. Name, uh, Ed O'Banion, or O'Banion, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Yeah. <dead dead. laughs> <laughs> And, uh, they're they're pretty cool because of how they're shot and how slow Myers is driving. Yeah. Um, during the day during the day scenes, I actually thought of uh, Assault on Precinct 13 when the gang members oh, yeah. were driving around. Yeah, yeah, daytime and yeah. uh, you know, looking for innocent people to kill. And for the <laughs> night scenes, um, because of how the streets were lit, I actually thought of Drive.
1: <laughs> the oh yeah.
3: movie. Nice. You know, I had, I had that one song from Drive playing in my head. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and speaking
4: of scary, in terms of the drive sequence, when he's following Tommy, that was actually really chilling. And but there's no logic to why is he following Tommy. Yeah,
1: I know. You think about it, there is no reason for him to be following. But Tommy. But
4: it's still a really chilling scene.
1: Yeah. Well, by, the, by the way, Will, this is this uh, Halloween on Blue, eight bucks on Amazon right now.
2: The show. <laughs> factory one. At least no, this no. Episode. This is the original. Fucking one. gold.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. So factory released two and three, right? Yeah,
1: they were two and three. And three what Fox, else? Man. What else did you have, Aaron, Before we get yeah, sidetracked I just again. Got one
3: more thing. Um, I didn't realize how little of Myers' face you see until almost an hour into the movie, and by that I mean his mask. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because for most of the movie, the camera cuts off like right at his neck, or like it shows him from really far away. Mm-hmm. or you'll see like a quick side glimpse of the mask and i like that they held off on really um you know exposing him and they sort of built up to it instead
1: yeah it's a good choice it's a good choice i like that too mm-hmm. plus it looks good framing wise in a, in cinema in a cinematic format to have the just the torso because i mean he's known as the shape and stuff and i kind of like the carpenter kind of kept him as the shape Mm-hmm. Played by one for those who don't know, but I'm sure almost every movie geek knows at this point. Played by one Nick Castle, director of *The Last Starfighter*. So, yeah. With Lance Guest, with Lance Guest, Guest, yeah, Lance Guest in part two. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> all right. So I don't know if DZ is aware of how we score things and what we do. So I'm going to let Will go first, and then uh, then Aaron, and then DZ will have an idea.
2: Okay. My no, make-or-break scene is just that moment in the shadow. I think that's one of the best reveals um, in any horror film.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's just so tremendous. My MVT is the score for this film. Nice. Like I said, I think it's the best American horror score, or one of the best cinematic scores, period. And my score for the film, this is going to shock some people. I'm not a huge fan of this one. I do quite like it, but I don't love it. Um, it's a 7.75 for me.
1: Okay, All right. fair enough. Uh, Aaron.
3: Okay, well, my make or break is, um, the, the very end of the movie, those static shots you were talking about of the interior and the exterior of the house as, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Halloween theme is playing. You hear the heavy breathe- breathing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. God, what a fucking ending that is. I want to stand up and, like, applaud every time I see it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. So great. good. Uh, MVT, I'm going to go with the tag team of John Carpenter and Dean Cundy. Nice.
4: Um,
3: to me, this movie wouldn't be what it is without one or the other. I mean, Carpenter's obviously the man. This is his movie, it's his story, it's his iconic music, it's his creation. But one of the most important things about this movie, and the things that uh, or one of the things that many critics and uh, hardcore horror fans praise about it is the visuals and how it's shot, and that's very much you know Connie's contribution. Hmm. Nice. Um, as for score. Oh, were you going to say something?
1: No, no, no. It's just it's, it's, your MVT and my MVT are the same.
3: Oh, okay. And then, God, sorry, this echo is really throwing me off. but uh, It's,
1: it's not coming through over here, so if that worries you.
3: Okay. But um, for score, you know, it's interesting. You guys were saying um, how you watch this movie through critical eyes, and, you know, things kind of change as far as your view of it. I've seen this movie countless times, and this was actually my first time watching it with critical eyes because I've never, like, reviewed it or anything. And it was really interesting, and I have to say I appreciate this movie so much more now than I ever did. Um, so, for my score, I'm going to go with an 8.75 out of 10.
1: Nice, nice. DZ?
4: I'm
3: going to go in reverse. Uh, my score is,
4: and actually it actually would have been lower if I had thought about it before going uh, into it with Critical Eyes. I'm going to give it an 8. Okay. It would have been a 7 beforehand. Okay, um, the MVT is more of a meta thing kind of tying back to what Rick was saying earlier he was toying with the idea of here's how you make a boogeyman mm-hmm. and he ended up making a whole genre of film and, it, and people say well what about Black Christmas well you know this actually was the film that defined it yeah. Black Christmas yeah. and Giallo influenced him but this was mm-hmm. the movie that did it Right, right. It,
1: right, It's never, it's never the one that it's the ones that kinda create things. Like I mean you could argue that the giallo is created by Bava, but Argento mm-hmm. defined it, right? Right. Yeah, that's right. So I mean it's not always the one that creates it that is the de- definitive version. It's almost it's the one always, that
2: brings it to the masses and yeah. that inspires other people to want to do the thing.
1: Right, right. It's almost always the one that defines it, is always the one that kinda comes along afterwards. The second Great. one. So.
4: And to go along with um <clears throat> with the MVT, I want to also say that there's I like the comic relief. That's not direct comic relief. Yes. You know, it. it you ha- you have these likable characters, and there's these little funny sequences. Annie has her funny moments, and Linda has her funny moments, but they're not so forced like you see in a lot of other movies, especially like 9 Mile Street*. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. As for the make or break, oh, wow, that's that's probably a tougher one. I would have to say that some of the kills, I'd have to. Choose the Bob and Linda kills, okay? Because okay. I think they're very strong, even though they're, they're weird. Like the Bob kill is weird, but it's also really powerful because you see just how strong Mike is, and like yep. he's like force. And then the Linda kill because if there's a the visceral aspect, what if you did hear your friend being killed and you didn't know it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it adds to the threat, uh, Lori.
2: The threat of Lori because, we, like you so we see how strong he is. Right. Can I just say I love the darkly comedic moment since Steezy brought it up, of the the moans on the phone or what Lori thinks at first her (laughs) moans. (laughs) I always fucking howl at that
1: moment.
4: (laughs) 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 Poor PJ's getting choked up, man.
1: Yeah.
4: Oh, and what was Lori's line of Oh Christ, I wrote that cut it out you guys you'll be sorry and I wrote you can't be more sorry than dead yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. alright um, my make or break for this film I have several but I'm going to go with the opening because I feel like the opening is an iconic version of of the slasher first person POV type of thing I also love the almost in in retrospect now almost cheesy aspect of throwing the ca- the mask on the camera with the two eye holes but I like that it kind of it kind of uh, obscures your vision just enough, and you know you get a little nudity and stuff. Uh, there is that weird moment where he looks at his own hand stabbing the girl, but you know, hey, it's, it is what it is. It makes it makes no sense logically, but that, <laughs> it is what it is. Well, It lo-
4: kind of shows how disaffected he was; like he was looking yep. at his body. Yeah, he was looking at him outside of himself. Yeah,
1: so maybe yeah. that maybe that would be the reasoning. My MVT, like say, the same as uh, Aaron's, I believe it is the Carpenter Cundy connection. Uh, these two guys work together quite well um and uh, we talked about this a long time ago with the fog but uh well it's been four years ago God. uh but uh it is a it is on display here as well that one i think works well with the other the, it's it's carpenter's shots set up but cundy's lighting is is something special and really when you think about cundy's lighting not a lot of people like films like that anymore it seems like films are, are so overlit now
2: i agree uh, I love Cundy's lighting.
1: Yeah, he he very much was has this mood lighting down, you know, and it it, it works so good. I don't know what she got. Well, they
4: want you to see everything. Like, it's yeah. all a spectacle. And it's all just fabricated. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Never stark, though.
1: Yeah. Um, my score for this film is a... You guys ready?
2: I know where you're going with this. Now,
1: my score for this film is a 10 out of 10. I think this film is the perfect... The perfect the template, the perfect slasher film um, it kind of just sets up the whole genre and it just it 's always worked for me and it 's still the one when I think about all of those films in that genre, and this is why I give it a ten out of ten when I think about the entire slasher genre, this is not the most entertaining, but it 's the one that has the most to say, so I think that this is the 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 prototype so um Although, we'll talk more about prototypes when it comes to part two. Uh, uh, But yeah, okay, so that's my thoughts on Halloween. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and talk about part deuce. So, we'll be back right after this.
0: Ahoy, mateys. This is KAB, Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, beaming a signal across the sea. I'll be here playing music all through the witching hour. I'm still waiting to hear from that weatherman. But in the meantime, stay here with me. Be sure to visit our sponsor, Paracinema Magazine. They're the source for all your genre movie needs. Check them out online at paracinema.net. Tell them Stevie sent you. Keep me turned on for a while, and I'll do my best to do the same for you.
2: The Smooth Sound. Fabulous.
1: welcome back. I wanted to play a lot of that because that is actually done live. That's our good friend Scott and his band Glows in the Dark. And uh if you go to our Facebook page, you can download this whole little set they did of John Carpenter music and it's all done live right there and then. And it's pretty impressive. I have to Very admit. impressive. Uh I was kind of blown away when I listened to the whole set and uh they do everything. They do a little assault on precinct thirteen. There's some fog in there. There's all kinds of stuff. Just it's mostly just like kind of a kind of like a little retrospective of the uh, Carpenter joints. <laughs> How do
4: you dress for one of those shows?
1: <laughs> you glow in the dark. <laughs> but uh, yeah, give them some support, and also you know it's a free download, so go over and download it. Who's yeah. who's very cool. who's fumbling who's with their mic? Yeah, who's playing with their mic? And why don't you play with mine? Yeah,
2: who's <laughs> playing with their dick, Warlock? <laughs> name or the, name ever
1: for a stuntman, or the War, warlock, or the warlock Dick. Is, there, is Aaron there?
3: Yeah, <laughs> there it is.
1: <laughs> He is the warlock.
3: Yeah, Did you hear that? I was moving my headset around.
1: Yeah, yeah. Call you, wow. we'll call you War Dick. Go on ahead, going ahead, your, head, your
3: quote-unquote headset. <laughs>
1: <laughs> call it what you want to call it, bro
4: my warlock (laughs) twice as many kills in this film than there was in the first one if you include lester the dog
1: (laughs) nice all right so we're gonna let aaron take the lead on this one i'm gonna go ahead and synopsize it uh laurie strode is rushed to the hospital while sheriff Brackett and dr loomis hunt the streets for michael myers who has found laurie at the haddonfield hospital all right
3: all right so uh yeah, Halloween two direct continuation from the first movie. Uh, a little background before we get started. In my notes. Um, we we're talking earlier about Carpenter going to the well or not going back to the well. That being said, um, he did not want to make this movie. He wanted to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually wanted to make The Fog, which he did, um, under the condition that he write a screenplay for this. Yeah. Because uh, you know, Halloween was such a huge hit. They couldn't, you know, just end it there. They had to keep going. And uh, you know it was a good business choice, but you know Carpenter, you know he had some creative integrity, and he didn't really want to do it. So he played ball so he can get the fog made, and he banged the script out, the script out, and uh, yeah, that's Halloween too. That's how the movie came to be. So. Yeah, I,
1: you know I'm thankful for that because if, if if what I got out of that was the fog then that's perfectly fine
2: even if this mm-hmm. is dog shit because the fog is as most people know rick and i covered it early on it's a top probably top three it's probably my second favorite carpenter
3: behind the thing
1: nice nice yeah. it's a great film so, yeah
3: yeah so right off the bat um i'll try to bank through my notes real quick here uh i'll start with a uh complaint about this movie and then you know from anything i have to say on it's pretty much positive so but uh Excuse me. Uh, One of my complaints about this movie is how slow it is and the pacing. Um, You know, most of the movie is basically stalling and building up to Myers chasing down uh, Laurie and trying to kill her. And you know, she's laid up in a hospital the whole time because she's she's medicated. God, I can't even talk this morning. I'm sorry. I got a lot of shit on my mind.
1: You're not medicated, are you?
3: (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, But you know, other than that, there's nothing really. significant that happens in the movie. I mean, it's not a creative kill movie, you know, which me and Will were kind of talking about the other night, Mm -hmm. but it is definitely a body count movie, um, without much of a plot. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Body count, body count, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) you know, when you consider how this movie came to be, it kind of makes sense. You know, Carpenter, you know, didn't put too much care into the script, He kind of rushed it out. Mm -hmm. Um, but that being said, it does fall into more of the you know traps of the slasher movie than the first one did. Well, it's it's more of a slasher or what the slasher would evolve into, mm-hmm. yes. you know, in the early '80s than the previous movie. So, what year is this again? Is this '80? '81. '81.
2: '81. And 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 Friday Thirteenth was '79, right? Uh,
3: no, '80.
1: It was 80. '80. Yeah.
2: Okay, so yeah. they could have been in production-ish back end for Friday, front end
3: for this, maybe.
1: Possibly. Yeah. Same time. Okay.
3: Um, one of the traditions I love about the Halloween movies is that they incorporate um, like the jack o' lantern into the opening credits, and they all have like different variations of them. Um, I, th- I think that ended around six or maybe H two O, if I'm not mistaken.
1: God, I can't remember. I do like yeah. the. Ja- I, I I don't know which jack o' lantern I like more, but I kind of like this kind of big eyeball version on the in the opening of this one. The kind of goofy mm-hmm. looking yeah. one. This one. Yeah, has. for sure.
3: Um, the skull, yeah, it's pretty spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, the opening credits for this one are very creepy and definitely one of the more, um, memorable things about this movie. Um, as far as like, you know, my memories of seeing it as a kid, you know, you have the camera like slowly zooming in on what looks like a, a regular jack-o'-lantern and then it opens up to reveal like a human skull inside of it. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: um,
3: let's see, I can skip that note. Um, I've seen this countless times, but that first big jump scare always gets me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's good.
3: It is. Um, For the longest time, the kid at the hospital with the razor blade stuck in his mouth always... Oh, the pirate? Yeah. That, that always got to me and made me yeah. cringe. But now I kind of see some humor in it. It's like, uh, you know, Carpenter <laughs> or Rosenthal or whoever... You know, throwing in this reference to one of those crazy Halloween urban legends, you know, about the razor blade and the apple. So,
1: yeah, it's pretty crazy, though. I mean, yeah, the urban legend of the razor blade and the apple. And it's pretty, yeah, myth. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to think that there was. I I can actually remember being warned not to eat apples as treats. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So, you know. The, my, that was actually something that they would say in like in my school. Like you, you kids are going on trick or treating. I remember, don't eat the fruit. Like
2: yes, what a motherfucker gives up <laughs> anything that's out. not in a wrapper. Don't eat. Yeah, anything. yeah, that's right. Anything not in a wrapper. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, don't eat it. Yeah. So if you know if you get a used condom, don't eat it. Make sure it's in the wrapper.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that was Andy from the Mist, by the way, the razor blade kid. Oh no yeah. Way. Yep. Cool.
1: Nice. Wow. I got I got body count stuck in my head now body count body count <laughs> KKK
2: bitch yo
4: for life cop killer <laughs> okay all right go ahead oh and all right. is Michael a master ninja did he learn some skills between the hour he was shot six <laughs> times which we get Bloom, if she shot him six times because yeah. <laughs> there's a Jack in the Box kill in this movie
1: yeah well here's the thing here's the thing they 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 give the role to Dick Warlock who yeah. is a very nimble. Uh, uh, stuntman, uh, mm-hmm. he moves a lot, a lot more briskly, I think, than Nick Castle. Nick Castle was not a stuntman or anything; he was just a production assistant. So, so, stiff. so he's real stiff, and I, I personally like the Nick Castle performance more, uh, for reasons like Will said when we did the review of the first one, the the head movements, and I kind of like the way he walks more. I like Dick Warlock in this one. I do. I think he does fine, but he's a much more. This is again it's much more prototypical slasher movement. It's a little bit more aggressive Springy. throughout to
4: stunt manny. Yeah.
1: And he he yeah. does he does right. the crazy insane strength stuff. I mean we know now why he could move the headstone. Because <laughs> yeah, he can pick people out. up with one hand with the scalpel to the back.
4: <laughs> yeah. And the tiniest ass scalpel too.
1: Yeah. No, it's pretty it's pretty impressive, you gotta admit. Plus he can take no. Leo Rossi out naked. And anybody that can take Leo Rossi out when his wiener's up. <laughs> That's pretty impressive.
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the actor's name, but the uh, the blonde cop. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. like Chuck Cypher's second in command or whatever. Oh, yeah. You got to love his overacting. <laughs> you know, when he's breaking the news to, to Sheriff Brackett about Annie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... I think it's Annie. <laughs> <That's laughs> go <pretty good. laughs> home, Cheryl.
1: <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got. <Thanks, laughs> I've been practicing that all. The time. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure out who that actor is. Seems like I've seen him in something else. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead.
3: Uh, and it's and it's funny. I watched this with the commentary with Dick Warlock and um, the guy who moderated it. I. Uh, from icons of horror, I think he was actually talking about how good that actor was. So it's kind of weird, but, uh, one of my favorite Donald Pleasance moments, uh, in the entire Halloween franchise is a very subtle, uh, moment in this movie. And it's when he reacts to, um, Sheriff Brackett, who's kind of taking his anger out on Loomis and putting the blame on him, you know, for everything that's going wrong. (laughs) And the reaction you get from Loomis is of, um, like genuine sorrow mixed with you know all of the stress like that the entire <laughs> situation's causing him.
1: yeah to me that's like the moment that donald pleasance decides fuck it i'm gonna go all out from this point yeah. on in this whole series
3: yeah. <laughs> um it's amazing how quiet this movie is um it's barely scored at least for the first half or two thirds anyway yeah i know mm-hmm. so when the music hits it gets your attention and lets you know you know some shit's about to go down so oh yeah
1: it's like a more heavily synthesized version, too, of the theme, which is kind of fun.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's an awesome use of lighting in the doctor's office when uh, a certain character gets stabbed in the eye with a large hypodermic oh. needle. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's really cool how to, how it's lit because the only light in the scene is coming from a little fish tank in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it gives enough light to kind of light the scene, but at the t- at the same time, it's dark enough um, for Myers to be, like, standing in the room the whole time. And uh go unnoticed you know until he like springs from the shadows
1: Yeah. Well, once Conde. he's in
3: the hospital it, it's a super themed kill because
4: every like basically uses as many instruments as he possibly can even a really weird scene later on involving the head nurse
2: well it, it sets yeah. up that thing again where the kills like we were saying are a little more creative but they're not certainly to friday levels
4: right right and the scalpel is way scarier than a machete yeah, um, well, I, I guess I know. Says- <laughs> I, I, I've actually encountered scalpels. I've never encountered a machete. Let's put it that way. Encounter one, then we'll talk,
3: bro. <laughs> in the uh, jungle.
1: Obviously, you obviously you haven't been trick or treating in Arizona. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Try going to Indonesia
2: sometime. Yeah, Jakarta styley. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, so Michael has like he must have this huge notebook of all the contingency plans. It's like, well, if Lori ends up at the hospital, then I have to go and locate the phone box, which I have to find the storeroom, and then I have to lure people in. Yeah,
1: <clears throat> yeah. This is where he becomes, for me, this is where he becomes more of the prototype slasher, where he's going to do all of the things to make sure that everything's covered. He's covering all of his bases covering this time. Right? The bases, yeah. So you know, he, well,
4: early on you get a red herring and. and Going back to what you were saying, Aaron, that uh, there's a lot of buildup in Red Herring where it's like they're trying to keep you interested while stalling for the the whole hospital sequence. And you get this poor kid who gets killed, um, and he's dressed up like Michael Myers, which is really weird because he's the only one dressed up like Michael Myers. And um, you know it's a Red Herring because it's only like 15 minutes into the damn movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: That's an intense car crash, though, man. Jesus,
4: car explosion. Yeah, that's a hell of a, a car explosion.
1: That's supposed to be the Ben Tramer character. That's what the the trivia says. That's supposed to be the Ben Tramer character, the Lori's, uh quote unquote crush from the first film. Mm. Huh. So I don't know. Mm. Which is also and
4: there's a forced moment later on though too when they re- when Loomis is given the information. Oh, well, our friend was wearing this mask, and that was also by the way Billy Warlock. That was uh, Dick Warlock's son who yeah. plays that. role. Oh yeah yeah.
1: Yeah, Billy Warlock went on to become a teenage heartthrob, but the
0: uh,
1: Baywatch, <laughs> Baywatch, yeah, and the uh, the uh, that goes with the other thing. Aaron posted on our Facebook group the uh, the Dana Carvey cameo.
4: Back of his head is so lovely. <laughs> yeah,
1: I hear, I hear. I think I hear that ice machine again. <laughs> it's either the ice machine on DZ's end, or is Will sucking water out of a bottle?
2: Yeah, it's not my water bottle. I, I was trying to be discreet. 'Cause yeah. Not me. Maybe
4: Maybe. it's my sweater. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) My velcro shoes.
1: That's a crunchy that's a crunchy sweater.
4: (laughs) I'm taking it off. It's stiff
2: it's stiff, man. That's a stiff sweater. Yeah.
1: What do you I think I know what you're using
4: that for.
2: <laughs> you're picking up what I'm Speaking down. of affections,
4: yeah. could you imagine if the nurse's affections with Michael was just the most awkward fucking oh, scene? God, it's so Had gross. worked on him. He's like, oh, shit, I can finally get some pussy. Yeah, because he's <laughs> sucking on his fingers. It's just, ugh, it's so creepy. Well, it's I'm like, little, I'm Eric. How does he manage not to get blood on his fingers? You imagine she's like, why does your hand taste like blood? Yeah, it's like a handful of pennies. <laughs> I'm
1: going <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna let uh that reminds me of that babysitter talk again. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Aaron get back to his notes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Go yeah I just got a couple more. Uh the mask, as cheap as it looks, is really terrifying. Yeah. Um you know, whereas in the first movie the mask had like this blank, expressionless face. This one looks kinda pissed off, like yep. Michael Myers just got woken up from a nap or something. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's more Dude, pink too. Shot Did you find that, Aaron?
3: What's that? Did you find the mask was more
2: pink? More yeah, like because pink like masculine? in some of the
3: earlier scenes, it looks like it wasn't painted all the way mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. something.
1: It, I have to say, it looks better on this new Blu-ray than it does probably on the release you have, Will.
3: Yeah.
1: It does look better. And I, I think, Aaron, you watched the new Shout uh, Scream Factory one too, right? Is it
2: Scream yeah, Factory or Show Factory?
1: Shout Factory? Well, it's Shout Factory, but they it's it's got th- they got this horde branch now. They call it no. Scream Factory. Okay, so okay. it's the same thing. but um, But you mm. did watch the Blu-ray, right, Aaron?
3: Uh, no DVD. Oh, I don't have okay. a
1: Blu-ray player. Oh, well, that's right. My bad. My bad, bro. I watched the Blu-ray. Let me tell you, this film looks better than it has any reason to look. Yeah, it's gorgeous on blue. So,
3: mm-hmm, for sure, uh, one of the things I got. From, well, speaking of the DVD, one of the things I got from the commentary track um, was something Dick Warlock said, and it's how he de- described uh, Michael Myers's walk as gliding. Yeah. And I thought that was spot on you know when you watch how Myers moves, he's like a, a phantom gliding through the shadows or something, yeah um yeah, that's about it. That's all I got. We'll move on you sure you sure yeah, yeah,
1: all right i can I can throw some stuff in here for this one uh this is my favorite of the slasher sequels uh. For me, it's 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 interesting. It really is the. Uh, I don't think it moves slow. I think it moves just fine. Neither do I. I think I, that uh, it has a nice seventies pace to it. Um, I think what if if people go back and look at it, I think it does move slow, com- comparable to a Friday the Thirteenth or possibly some other of the slasher films that were around between eighty and eighty one. It is slower than those. There's no doubt about that. But for some strange reason, it works for me. Uh, I think it's the time it still takes. I still admire when a slasher film used to take time to kind of develop some things. Now, the only characters that really get developed in this one are the Lance Guest character, the Leo Rossi character, the ambulance guys, the nurses get a little bit of development, not much. Uh, I spent an awful lot of time this weekend looking for nude photos of the black nurse. I don't know what's wrong with me.
2: As as always, you and I are on the same page.
1: (laughs) I don't know why I did that, but... (laughs) evidently i decided yeah. to, evidently she is nude in california suite so i, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't find any photos of it uh, uh that's just more of my perversions coming out
2: <laughs> anyone who has california suite can send screen caps via vlc to midnight cinema <laughs> at gmail.com yeah.
1: but uh i i like the nurses in this i like that some of them are kind of goofy i like the kind of uh i like the leo rossi character a lot even though i think his rendition of amazing grace is the worst in cinema history
2: amazing grace sit on my face <laughs> you make me cry i need your pie
1: Yeah, that was it spot on yeah <laughs> it's Price pretty bad man, yo. but I, I like leo rossi as an actor i think he's uh he's like one of the great bag actors of all yeah. time um and he doesn't disappoint in this, you know, he's pretty, even though he's kind of like a good guy, he's just, you know, a dude wanting to have some action in the hot tub. Get some trim. He, uh, he still comes off as sleazy somehow. I don't know how it happens, but he does. Um, these films, really, in a, lot, in a lot of ways, as you watch them, you realize that they really do belong to Donald Pleasance. And as, as bad as some of the acting becomes, as especially with four and five, and I think bits of six, because did he die while six was being made? Wasn't he in six? Yeah. I believe yes. and he he died in yeah. production. Person
4: Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah. He uh,
1: he's having fun here, and 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 Pleasance was never known as a subtle actor. I mean, I mean, let me <laughs> re- remind people that he's always been this guy who I think I'd made a quote for one film. He's in he's in the middle of the street and just going, "You bastard, you <laughs> bastard," and he just keeps saying it over and over again. I'm like, Jesus, cut, cut to another scene. He's really hamming it up, man. But. He's never really been what you would call a subtle actor i mean he's, he's a stage actor by trade, so he kind of comes off Boy, that way, monster, yeah
4: well, Adrian Barbeau was saying uh, at a, a horror convention that he had to pay three x lives, so he had to do a lot of these films, yeah,
1: yeah. and not only, not only that, but I mean I think I think about his lines of dialogue at the end of Escape from New York, You the
2: Duke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like a more over-the-top Edward, Edward Woodward. That's what he's always reminded me
1: of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the cycle, Jesus Christ!
2: Yeah, exactly. So,
1: <laughs> I actually think it's really weird for me, but almost some of the cinematography in this one from Cundy is almost better than in the first I one. I agree. He really, They really did a good job on this hospital. And it's not a real hospital. It's a mock-up. But they really did a good job with those shiny floors. Uh, it really felt like a hospital. Uh, well, they
4: definitely get more technical, and um, you, you know, when they're using the monitor to show where uh, Michael is. That actually is a pretty scary sequence, where like the nurse just comes around the corner where you saw Michael go. Yeah, and they're playing with the camera and the timing was actually. They had to take a lot of coordination to do that.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I think uh, the cast, like it's already already talked about, and uh, I also think I should mention that Donald Pleasance's facial hair should be in the GGTMC Hall of Fame. I think it's a great goatee. I think it's 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 a, it's got a nice look. He kind of it kind of uh kind of branches out a little bit more in this film. If you really think about the first film, uh, if they, if this is the next day, man, his shit grows quick. Yeah. So, and I, and I also like that that idea of the sequel. I like the sequel that starts the next day right away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only other film that really works for me that way is Porky's. <laughs>
2: well, Hostel does a pretty good job of that. Oh yeah
1: yeah yeah, Hostel does do that. That's right, man. Good yeah. good call. I forgot about that. Fuck yeah, a good call. Um. I do like the kills in the film. I like the stalking in the film. The scenes I don't like in the film, if I have some major problems with the film. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I'm going to throw it out there. I don't like the uh, I don't like the Lance Guest, Lori Strode moments.
2: Oh I liked him. I really yeah. liked him
1: actually. I don't like him for some reason. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Laurie or if I don't know if it's Lance. Now I like Lance Guest. I don't think That's he's likable. I don't think he's a great actor, but I think he's a very likable presence on screen. Yeah. Uh I even like him in uh, Jaws of the Revenge for Christ's sake.
4: But uh, well, I think it's Lori's hair that is distracting throughout oh, this entire film, yeah, and it, I think that's what's taken away from the potency of their interactions. <laughs> well, it is a wig, <laughs> and it's pr-
1: it's pretty obviously a wig, in my opinion. I don't know about yeah, because well,
4: this was shot like what three, four years later.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, she was doing yeah. she was already doing the Jamie Lee Curtis short hair thing. Mm-hmm. She was already doing the yogurt to stay regular. Yeah, she was already doing. Or the no, milk. she is regular. That's why she eats. <laughs> never eats. Yeah, she was doing Activa.
2: the
4: the milf Activa. thing.
1: The milf. Yeah. I, yeah, the milf look was already there. So,
4: um, well, um, something else I I just made note of. Um, I didn't realize the early eighties looked so much like the late sixties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her hair and the cars. It's like really because those cars are worth a lot now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah,
1: I'll say that. uh I like the use of the uh, Sandman theme. The Sandman, I
2: love the use of the Sandman.
1: Then, and I think that really Mr. works. Sandman. Yeah, because uh, I mean that is a kind of a boogeyman song. If you really listen to the lyrics, it's a sweet mm-hmm. version of the boogeyman. But the Sandman myth, if you think about that little song and everything else, it's actually kind of creepy. I love it,
4: <laughs> but it, th- that yeah, works. But I also think that it's been used. If I'm not mistaken, it was also used in uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, it was. I think. Um, and it's just it like Jingle Bell Rock. It, the song's ruined for me. I, I can't watch the opening to Lethal Weapon because of Jingle Bell Rock.
1: Hey, man, Jingle Bell Rock is a GGTMC staple song. Yeah, bro.
4: all in all, it's baby. That's why I quit listening to the show.
1: <laughs> uh, but I, I'll, I'll add a couple more things because I do want to keep it short on this one. Uh, the Burn Walk is fucking awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a great stunt. It's the most insane explosion indoors that I've seen in some time in cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody had that uh, valve open a little too high, um, <laughs> and uh, that last shot with the Sandman theme playing over top of it—it's pretty, pretty, pretty fucking great. So mm-hmm. I think so. Um, Larch William or DZ, whoever wants to go next.
4: I'll go ahead and go next if you don't mind. Sure. Um, as slow paced as it actually does feel there really is a kill just about every 10 minutes or at least something violent that's hap- that happens about every 10 minutes Yeah, um, well, I remember twice as many kills.
1: I remember one other thing I do think detracts from this film and I agree with Shosho on this I don't like the security guard moment either
2: no he's, he's really awful mm. I,
1: they could have cut that whole section out the, yeah. the whole cat jumping out of the shadows moments yeah. and I just think it's kind of you know it's, I, for me personally that just felt cheap
4: I like how you say that, because I have a, a note here. Cat scare from her- uh, hell. Poor Fatso. <laughs> poor,
1: poor Fatso. <laughs>
4: yeah, it's it that's just uh it, Ah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's right. It, it that one just doesn't really fit. It's, yeah. it seems too forced, you know, because he hands a nurse the the uh heads or the uh Ah it's bad. I'll just leave it there.
0: <laughs>
4: um uh, lori is a better psychic than Sylvia Brown. I, I take that from this movie. There's that really awkward sequence where you you get the reveal, and it's also very forced too, because um, all of a sudden the governor and the uh, this Doctor Rogers are playing damage control. So that's to pull Loomis away from the investigation, but it's also to give him more information as to why "quote unquote" this is happening. Right, and. Did anybody stop to think, okay, so now that you get this reveal that Lori is um his sister, and let let him kill her and see what happens? <laughs> maybe it would just end. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that would be the end the of it. Lateral damage.
1: <laughs> yeah, like we gotta sacrifice Lori. This is getting out of control. Obviously we cannot handle this. And our blonde what cop, we- our blonde cop is overacting all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> sure, if you gotta get home. <laughs> it's <ending. laughs> oh shit
4: and and the uh, Laurie is a better shot than anybody in this film too oh my god doesn't even doesn't even tear the mask clean (laughs) shots she could have beat Dirty Harry in uh, Magnum Force yeah that would have been awesome a shoot off between Dirty Harry and Laurie Strode (laughs) yeah but it doesn't even stop him. That's what. That's where this movie becomes even more of like, okay, so it's no longer myth-building. It's actual magic. Because there's yeah. no explanation of why two headshots don't take Michael out.
2: And 12 shots in total. He was shot six times. Loomis shoots him six more times. Then Laurie shoots him twice in the eyes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, she's, yeah, she's a eagle eye when it comes to the shot. But man.
4: Loomis doesn't shoot him after he takes out the marshal.
1: He doesn't? No, I guess he
4: doesn't. No, he stops. It's a weird frozen moment. I, I think what they were trying to convey was that Loomis is just like God. We can't seem to stop him. It was like that's uh, the even bigger turning point for him. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. It's like no, we have to do something more explosive.
1: <laughs> Literally, yep. which is what they did.
4: Um, my, f- uh, actually, you know, I'll probably bring this up later. So never mind. <laughs> I was about okay. to say one of my favorite moments, but okay, there's there is another moment that I think is interesting is when you see. Well, you think Lance is going to save the day or Jimmy uh, in the movie, and yet, really, he he doesn't. You know, it yeah. comes down to Laurie again taking care of business. Um, well, and of course, Loomis. Right. Uh, but he ends up slipping in the blood, which is a weird kind of black, uh, black comedy moment. Yeah, it doesn't but really that, work for me. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting scene because it, it, it's like, are they paying homage to Giallo because that blood is so red and it's so yeah. kind of over the top? that that's, that's what I take from it. Oh, and he's super clean when he shows up later on.
1: Yeah, after he just landed in a pool, literally a pool of blood.
4: And it splashed on his face, too. Yeah, uh-huh. it's amazing. Oh, and um, another scene that I thought was pretty good, but it was also a bit awkward, is when Loomis gets to the uh, hospital, and Lori's in the car and she sees him and she's crawling to him, but she can't seem to get enough strength to scream until he's already closed the door and can't hear her. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like, I like there's that. Some, there's something like chilling the about you know being frozen with fright, and then of course you know Michael mm-hmm. appears behind her and is like, oh shit.
1: Well, I also like the moment where you know she knows that, that horn. Is going to draw his attention. I like that moment too. Yeah, that's really great.
4: Well, it's almost like a um, a, for some reason I keep drawing mental comparisons to Jaws two with the sequel, the way that they kind of up the ante. Yeah. Um, you know, and you don't want to make a noise, you don't want to attract attention. And when Lance shows up and she's hidden in the car, it's like, and he doesn't even notice her, which I thought was another weird kind of like comedy moment. It's almost like Lance really is just comic relief in this movie. He gets in the car, doesn't see her, and then he almost kill you know—gets her killed because of uh, drawing Michael's attention. Yeah, yeah. No. He's right. the woman in this film, and she's the man. <laughs> yeah, you could look at it that way.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, that's what uh, I have to say. <laughs> okay, I'll go through this quick. Second Rosenthal appearance on our show. First one being Bad Boys, which is a very good film. Yeah, um, he, has a, he has a pretty good resume. Um, michael myers makes a pretty good grass angel at the beginning of this film yeah he's not killing people
4: he's, uh, <laughs> he fell hard dude won.
2: yeah, yeah Gravity. he did fall hard
1: hey the ground the ground was moist man it's a like crisp fall air
2: yeah and almost needs to cut that fucking grass man that was long grass <laughs> uh nice tits on the hot tub <laughs>
1: oh uh, on the hot tub works. itself or on the chick on the hot tub in the yeah you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, she's got she's got nice titties but that just uh, let me tell you man uh Leo Rossi had it all wrong. Hot tubs are the worst place to fuck, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That
2: moisture, a <laughs> natural body moisture goes away. The water fucking kills it. What are you doing, man? Yeah,
1: yeah you're not Yo, going to... It's
2: hot. It's awful. <laughs> uh, being hot and doing that, you're going to have a fucking headache, man. It's not good.
1: Yeah, not only that, but I mean...
2: Dick's going to chafe?
1: Yeah, I mean, and... and Your dick yeah <laughs> <laughs> your dick warlock will chafe and the uh the the other thing is i, I do know behind the scenes that evidently the, the water wasn't actually heated they just had like steam coming up in front of the camera so it was actually cold so Leo Rossi was trying to impress the chicks he was
2: fluffing between <laughs> between cakes buffing his dick warlock
1: said it looked like a peanut yeah
2: yeah, yeah. um <laughs> though there's a great moment i, I caught a lot of stuff obviously for the sake of time and we kind of went over it but there's a great moment when there is the face-off or the showdown between laurie and michael When Laurie says Michael, and it kind of—it's kind of like um, this—this lower shot. It it goes to Michael, but he looks almost like a little boy in the moment. It's probably the best acting moment from Warlock in the film for me. Mm
0: -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. Um, You know, between all the sort of ill-advised head tilts, um, I love the image of the blood. Even though you know it's a bit silly—the blood on the face, like the blood tears, whatever you want to say—and with that firewalk, it's great. But it gives us a Fulci-esque face melt. Yeah. Which is pretty good.
1: And yeah. uh, that's it. I know that uh, Warlock uh, took some serious burns on his arms because of the zippers on that uh, on that uh, uh, jumper he was wearing there. Oh, fuck. The, they didn't factor that in, the, the flames, Ooh. you know. The zippers get kind of hot, bro. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of like Leo Rossi's zipper right before he got in that hot tub. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, since I did it with the last one, maybe I'll do the kills in order. <laughs> you got gonna- one. Michael, Mr. Garrett, ambulance driver, (laughs) nurse, uh, Dr. Mixter, off-screen, nurse, (laughs) head nurse, off-screen, nurse, Marshall, and then question mark on the last two, Michael Lewis. Yeah, question mark,
1: question mark. Yeah. Um, All right, uh, Aaron, you went first. Let's hear your uh, make or break and whatnot.
3: Okay, uh, make or break uh, the showdown, for lack of a better term, uh, between Myers and Laurie Strode. Uh, from the moment Myers walks through the glass doors of the hospital, which I wish I could do, <laughs> yeah, uh, until un- the, the screen d- doors, yeah, <laughs> uh, until um, the end of this meeting between the two characters, which I won't, you know, get into detail about. Um. So yeah, the climax is my make or break. Uh, MBT Dean Cundy, he shot the shit out of this movie. Nice uh, score, seven point two five out of ten.
1: Aaron, me and you, buddy, we're we're, we're on those MBTs. Me and you are we 're brothers from another mother going on here yeah. make or break for me is the setting. I love the hospital setting uh It just lends itself well because of the corridors and the kind of anybody that 's ever been to a hospital and we all have i 'm sure at some point time I mean they can be like a fucking labyrinth uh yeah. to get through those except without the David Bowie codpiece. piece um, <laughs> uh but I do like the setting of this one a lot uh The Miami VT is also the the Kundi. I do like the Dean Cundey work in this one a lot. Rick Rosenthal does a good job. He's a very competent yes. uh, work-for-hire director. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of talked about that when we did Bad Boys, Will and I, but uh, I don't think he's a great director, but he's a very competent director. Uh, he did, he's the only other director to direct another Halloween film, which I haven't yeah. seen, by the way.
2: It's good. It's good. Me and Aaron talked about it. It's good for what it is, man.
1: Well, let's check it out. Uh, my score for the film is a 7.5 out of 10.
4: <clears throat> very
1: nice. Easy.
4: Okay, um, well, I'm going to go with uh, the make or break. I, I like. I agree with you. I like the setting. Um, you know, it's big, and he, there's also the theme kills, and I like that they added that in there. He didn't like bring a knife into the situation. He was using whatever was handy. Some of it's a little quirky, like you know, of course, the nurse being killed by having her blood drained. It was like, how yeah. did Michael know how to do that? <laughs> Stick to the scalpel, kid. Yeah, um, <laughs> and the setting ties into my MVT. The sequence where um michael's finally chasing lori in the basement and he's getting closer and closer but he's he's just taking his time he's okay with it he knows he's gonna get her and she crawls through the window and he's reaching for her and i don't know why there's a window there uh, but you know anyway she escapes but it's just so intense for some reason that whole sequence just really kind of got me charged for the film um my rating uh i'm gonna give it a seven i don't um I don't quite like it as much as the first one because I think there was, you know, you get the real sense of the characters more in the first one uh, compared to this one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and so that's that's where I'm at with it.
1: Sounds good. Large William,
4: make or break, the final showdown, the boss
2: battle, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) We're all waiting for. I do like the stuff leading up to it. MVT. I kind of went back and forth between the setting and Kundi. Um, but I'm going to still go with the setting, as great as Kundi is. And the setting setting wouldn't have been as effective if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Kundi. but I'm going to go with the setting. I know, again, Show had some gripes with it being sort of an empty hospital, but at nighttime, um, different floors, it can be quiet. And for the sake of cinematics, um, I'm willing to overlook it being slightly less busy than we're, usual.
1: Well, we're talking small-town Haddonfield. We're not talking, right. you know...
2: Yes, yeah, so it's, it, it's <laughs> going to be quiet, despite, again, the... the um, ten babies being born the same day. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't help, since I listened to the social review, thinking of some of the, the critiques, which, you know, oh, that's yeah. the way it goes.
1: Yeah, I feel that way too.
2: Um, score for the film, 7.5 out of 10.
1: Oh, nice. Right Even
2: though my score for one is only a point two five better, one is certainly a better film, but I don't think this is that far off of part one for me. It, it is a good film. It's as almost as good as you can get from a sequel. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, you're, a lot of the tone is the same between one and two, so yeah, I think you you know, you know hit it right on the head there. That's nice. All right, so instead of taking a break for lack of time because we were running long, we're going to go right into Halloween 3. Okay. And we know Large William wants to take the lead on this one, yes. so I'm going to read the synopsis, and we'll get right to it. Uh, a large Halloween mask-making company. <laughs> uh, I laugh at that because if they're such a large company, why do they only make three masks? But anyway... Uh, A large Halloween mask-making company has plans to kill millions of American children with something sinister hidden in the Halloween mask. All right, Large William.
2: Okay, so I'll be forthright. This is easily my favorite of the three films Mm -hmm. of of any of the series. It's one of my favorite, um, probably top ten horror film for me, actually. I quite enjoy it. I'm glad that the critical boomerangs come back and people really dig this film now. Um, I can understand, and it was sort of ill-advised, To have two films with Myers and then completely omit him and Haddonfield from um, this franchise. If they had it in this as part two, which is sort of the obvious thing to do, if you want to do a different Halloween story, that would have been the way. So it's strange that they did that, but, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the principles are in place here. You still have a Carpenter score, which... I had forgotten. I think this is maybe Carpenter's most underappreciated score is his score for this film because it's yeah. tremendous.
1: It's it's good. It's good.
2: I mean, it's really good stuff. And Cundy's still the DOP. Yep. Right. We still get some great Cundy stuff. Still, um,
1: still looks like a Cundy film.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the the TV signal kind of um, like you know at the beginning over the credits, and I think it's because we're, we're getting into the age of television and computers and the pervasiveness of. Um, of advertising being and sort of the backlash of consumerism and corporate America and you even get shades of sort of they live in this some of the corporate stuff and the corporate drones wearing the suits and this predates video drone but again there's certainly some some common messages between this and video drone which we reviewed some time back ago in the summer right. Um, they remove it from Haddonfield, they go to Northern California, which again, to distance it from, uh, to Illinois, from Illinois and, and the Myers mythology.
1: Well, I mean, this film is essentially a Body Snatchers movie.
2: It absolutely oh, is, oh. is Body Snatchers.
1: To the point to, oh. uh, to the point to where, <laughs> to the point to where the town is even named the same, I believe. Santa, it is the same. That's Santa right. Mira is the same town yeah. that uh, was in the original Body Snatchers, right? So
4: who was who was going, Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Well, that was me because I was going to say the last half of this film is pure body snatchers oh
1: yeah yeah it's totally body snatchers
4: even even
2: i think there's some stuff with atkins up on like a catwalk which is very much like when he's at the like the greenhouse or whatever and body snatchers <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's even like that but it, it's very much body snatchers um yep. it's so baffling this has a 4.1 on imdb man like that's insulting it really is
1: yeah but, you know uh, I, and i think it's went up over the years because yeah. uh, for a long time this film was kind of it was always kind of I mean, yeah, it was hated. I think because everybody wanted more Michael Myers, right? I mean, they they yeah. said it was a bomb, but it wasn't a bomb. It made like uh, oh. sixteen million yeah, bucks or something. Like
3: it that. doubled its it doubled its budget in its first weekend.
1: So. so yeah, I don't know why that ever got thrown out there, but I guess it was well, just you know it kind of became a stigma for the film because you know I
4: want to say that you know for creative types this is an example of you. You know, uh, you try to be creative and give people what they want, and you end up screwed in the long run. Yeah, I like the idea that they decided to take the idea of Halloween and rebrand yes. the franchise.
0: Uh-huh. Um, but, it's, this,
4: you know, and people were saying, well, you, we don't just want another Michael Myers movie. And you hear people complain like that. But then you've got the other half who are like, well, I expect another Michael Myers film because yeah. it is Halloween. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, you're screwed either way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, You're I right think their spot.
1: their intentions were great. I like the idea they had with I every year. That idea, I every of year they a were...
2: great director making a, a different horror story every year. A yeah, story.
1: It, was, it was a good idea on paper, and uh, sadly, people just you know people just didn't buy it. I think they would probably buy it more now, but
2: yeah. You but know. you have to start that way. The mistake was this was the third film, not the second film. Right, right, right. Right. That's the big mistake. Tommy Lee Wallace, who again is a very competent director in his own right, he made it. I um, made a couple other good films, and I'm drawing a blank right now. But, uh, you know, he worked hand-in-hand with Carpenter. He wore a lot of different hats for Carpenter on a lot of Carpenter films, even going back to Dark Star. So he's worked with Carpenter very intimately. He knew what he was all about.
1: Yeah, my favorite Tommy Lee Wallace film is... Not this one, actually. It's Fright Night Part Two.
2: Fright Night, that's the other one. Fright Night Part Two is great. It's a really fun film. Um, and that movie no,
4: doesn't get enough love. I think no. it's
2: actually a pretty well-made movie. Tommy Lee Wallace might be the, the most unsung... Making great sequels in horror films, director of all time. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well. um, you know, originally this was supposed to be Joe Dante.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would have been a different film, wouldn't it?
2: <laughs> Which yeah. I like Dante, but I'm glad it was Wallace because it, it works for me.
1: Well, Dante's not really a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't even want to pontificate on what that could have been. Yeah,
2: so. it's a, a different thing for different days. That'll be another um, show. <laughs> it is for another show. Uh, the gas station in this is the gas station from the Fog.
1: Oh, is it?
2: Yeah, which nice. I recognized, and I confirmed it when I was doing some research. Nice. So, yeah, very cool. Did um, I did not know that. Yeah, I knew it is a very distinct, you know, at the beginning of The Fog and stuff. It, it's very distinct. It has a bit of an old-timey look. So,
1: mm-hmm.
4: um, You ever notice of, how uh, often uh, tow truck drivers are like the heroes? I mean, you know, they, <laughs> their job is actually kind of cool. It's almost a heroic thing in, uh, that's <laughs> under, you know, sold. But they always seem to end up being the hero if they show up in a movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's true.
4: No, very
2: true. Um, Tommy Lee Wallace does the voice of Silver Shamrock.
1: Oh, yeah. Which is cool. For those we who don't know, Tommy Easter Tommy Tommy Lee Wallace and uh, John Carpenter were childhood friends. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Tommy Lee Wallace is from Somerset, Kentucky, which is where Sonny Landom lives now, I think.
4: Yeah. This is Sonny Landom.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's a scary dude, man.
2: Yeah, he is. He's a bit rapey <laughs> and violent. Yeah.
1: And um, I don't know about I'm not gonna say anything about real life. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jesus. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I don't know what
2: that means now, but this has the (laughs) Tom Atkins, the Atkins, one of my favorites. Getting back to the Decker talk, Atkins is—he's the man. I mean, he's really a pantheon, GGTMC leading man.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, he's just—he's so good. I,
1: I love that there was an era of cinema where this small little window where Tom Atkins was a leading man
4: king <laughs> i just i love it, it was like, like he was like 48 in this film and it also what i like is that you know older there was a where older people were able to have roles like this instead of yeah. these young super cut buff assholes well that's the t- the time we're in
2: sadly yeah yeah sadly i want to <laughs> take it
1: back it'd be a yeah. much it'd be a much prettier <laughs> lead now like now it would be like jensen ackles
2: yeah, that's exactly how I, I was thinking of because of the um, Bloody Valentine.
1: Yeah, it'd be somebody like that or Jared Padalecki.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I like it's Jensen and yeah, well, I like I, Jensen Apples for the most part, but uh, kind of like ugh. I, 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 look, I she watch. It. I, I,
1: I watch Supernatural, so I don't really, you know, I don't. They're perfectly fine for TV, but you know, for me, they're not film actors. So
2: I mean, you yeah. need character in your in your characters, right? Yeah.
1: They're just young, good-looking dudes, which is fine yeah. for television,
4: right? Okay, so, that's fine. In, in and going back four, to Atkins. Uh, the dude is the man. <laughs> yeah. He's the, he, the dude is the dude. He is just so fucking awesome. Yep. He's one of those actors um, that you know. It's hard not to want to gush if you ever actually meet him in life. And I I, a, I couldn't go up to his table to get his signature, because yeah. you're like, oh, he's so fucking cool. That's Atkins, you yeah. know. Yeah. Thrill me. Yeah, he yeah, is. I got that t-shirt.
1: He is the uh, he is the most un <laughs> unlikely uh, kind of hero in this film. He's he's a. He's almost a deadbeat dad. He's a drinking doctor. Oh, totally <laughs> he's a drinking doctor.
3: He's a fucking, he's a lousy husband and a <laughs> shitty dad. I mean, he lies to his wife and abandons his kids. Yeah, he sleeps uh, with a girl
1: you know, that he doesn't even know her age.
3: Yeah, and she's, like, she's got
4: to be. Well, and you I know, love that what? sequence, too, because he's kind of like hedging around the edge. He's like, well, I'd, I, you know, he's trying not to say, well, I'd really lo- want to fuck you. And, <laughs> you and she's like, young trim. well, where do you want to sleep?
3: Yeah. Yeah, and then he just gives her that look, like, "Oh, you don't fucked up." Yeah, he say, he
2: says something to her, like, "Well, you know the answer." He says
3: something to her because she gives uh, him that
2: look, like, "Yeah, where where are you gonna sleep?" There you oh. go. He says,
3: "That's a stupid question." Yeah, that's a stupid yeah. question. <laughs> but all yeah, that but, all of that being said, I know it sounded like I was shitting on Atkins. Atkins' character, but you know that being said, no, I probably would have did the same thing. I, because no, no uh, it's, Stacey it's, Nelkin's pretty hot. Yeah, so.
1: Stacey Nelkin is hot, and I I think that it's fine because I'm misleading men in cinema who that are, are that are yeah they're flawed. That's There's too many now. Right now, we're in a very black and white period of hero versus very vanilla, villain. Very
2: safe, right? Because we need to be told that the good guy's good. It's, it's almost going back to like the 40s and 50s. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I can't, I, I,
4: white hat. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that. Absolutely. Atkins
1: is you know he's a smoking doctor. You know, yeah. and I mean smoking as in he actually smokes cigarettes.
4: <laughs> Thank you. I need a clarification. Well, yeah. there's a scene where he's calling his wife saying, yeah, I'm going to be at some hotel. I forget the name. Yeah. And he's – behind him is the six-pack. Yeah. And it's not yeah. until he moves and he grabs it. I'm like, don't forget the six-pack, Atkins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny, though, is um, it's so easy to forget that he's a doctor in this film. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It you, just, it needs to be there to, to move along what happens,
1: right? As, as four gentlemen talking cinema, do you think that he thought he was going to get laid before he even left for Santa Mira?
2: Oh, you, well, sure. I, think, I think going to Santa Mira certainly wasn't going to decrease his chances. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you think, though, that he had intentions of hitting that shit? Uh
4: He <laughs> knew he was in a horror movie. Horror movies always get the blood going and the dick going. And the cum going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Christ, the blood in the cum. Ooh. Three mm-hmm. times.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah he, uh, he worked it, man. He, for, a man he, for a man his age, he didn't need no Viagra, bro.
4: What's, what's he's like, legal, oh, I'm man. really just going on this investigation to fuck you. <laughs>
2: well, what's great about that is she's in mourning her dad's been murdered. He's taking advantage of this emotionally vulnerable young woman who's young enough to be his daughter.
1: Yeah, and possibly not legal. <laughs>
2: no, she's <laughs> older not. than she looks. <laughs> well, there's also the fact that he picks up and bangs a hitchhiker in the fog, <laughs> like Jamie Lee <D>. Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> question of morals Atkins but you know he's do, the man. Do
3: you guys know Tom's uh real life wife was in this movie at the time? Oh yeah.
2: was she the nurse that that Mrs., that that he owes a lot of dinners to?
3: No, and this might ruin your image of him but she was actually the lady in the hotel room who got her who got her uh face zapped off. Oh, really? Major, Major Lisa. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
4: well, that was her
1: for <laughs> That's real? His wife? Yeah. yeah. I'm, oh, a, I'm, I'm a, a wife, I'm a pig though. I was hoping she'd have a
4: shower scene. <laughs> you wanted a shower scene with Marge? Yeah, hey. I'm, I'm Imagine he's seven, like, man. I just need to fuck everyone in this hotel. Yeah, he's got the people, man.
2: <laughs> peoples are for What is it? Peoples are for creeping. or is it? Peoples are for. I don't know. Yellow title, I don't know. Peoples for creeping, or peoples <laughs> are for snooping, or something.
1: I don't know. But I, anyway. I, I will say that hotel is easily one of the cheapest looking hotels in cinema history, and I think it works really well.
2: It does work fantastically. Um, but I love.
1: I wonder if there's any blood on the mattress, bro. (laughs) Ooh,
2: ooh, dutty. Um, The tagline for this film, to bring it back to the beginning, instead of the night he came home, (laughs) it's the night no one comes home. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Um, So, yeah, there's, again, a bit of a Jali-esque nod with the black leather gloves with um, the guy who basically crushes eyeballs. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, he does the old, uh, he does like a six-pack thing. He like yeah. sticks the hands in the ass. Yeah, the Zom grip. Uh, I know about that from Horror Hound last time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, then he does a little tug and pull, which, you know, yeah. with Zom, it was a little bit more of a... a swirl. Not, not, yeah, not so much a tug, a little bit more of a swirl, correct?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and this happens in Room 13. There is some, again, some sort of mythology. Actually, I shouldn't say mythology. I should say more... Um, it, this deals more with the sort of pagan side of things with Halloween. Yeah, yeah. You know, it has Stonehenge and numerical stuff and blah, blah, blah.
4: Well, um, I refer to them as the Men in Black. <laughs> well, they are. Yeah. When you I've think about it, f- that's how they play with the kind of, uh, the idea of Men in Black. They, they wore gray, but, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Men in gray. They were obviously
4: for a greater power.
2: Yeah, they totally are. Um and I love that when the bowling grip happens at the hospital, we get this kind of ritualistic autumn this big brainwashed gas douse myself in gas and kill myself. <laughs> it it has a as a plot device for Atkins as us as viewers, you're like, That's pretty tantalizing. Why is he doing that? That's pretty yeah. shocking stuff to see someone just in autopilot, dump gas on themselves, light themselves on fire.
1: Yeah. You know what I love about gas cans in cinema? I love that you know that it's water. But because we all have familiarity with gas cans, mm-hmm. you immediately kind of get the smell, the tangibility yeah. of the gas can being poured on you. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty amazing to me how that still works. Even at, I'm, I'll be 40 next year, and still the gas can scene, I'm thinking, ugh, all that gas on his face. I'm thinking, Rick, you dumbass. It's water, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, oh, I'm thinking, funny. you know, because the symbolism of the gas can, you kind of know what it smells like, blah, blah, blah. It still really works for some reason.
2: Yeah, let's take the chainsaw. Some things are ingrained in us. Oh yeah, um, the, the chainsaw is that visceral pop feeling. Up to our
1: life. Yeah, I don't even like being around a chainsaw when somebody's no. operating one. No. I get uncomfortable.
2: She can go sideways. Um, <laughs> Literally, I love the yeah. I, I love the color composition in this film. It's very crisp. It's very clean.
1: It's almost fluorescent.
2: Yeah, yeah at times it is. Acting wears a lot of red in this film.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's because he's uh, taking virginity left and right.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah bedding the young Funani again. He's and it's like, it's nice. My carpenter's always looking a brother up. Atkins was always getting the young trimming yeah.
1: carpenter. It's, a- it's
2: almost like Uh, the American version of a Nazi film.
1: Yeah, They were talking about him being like, you know, Tom Atkins of the Atkins diet. That's because all this guy ate was
4: busted hymens, bro. (laughs) Well, this wouldn't be a show without DZ uh, (laughs) if I didn't say that we got near gong in this uh, film and it was Atkins. (laughs) We got some prime ass shot.
1: I have this sense, and this is just me pontificating, just kind of guessing, but I have a feeling like Tom Atkins' penis is pockmarked, but that's just me.
2: Oh. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't want to think of one of my gods as like a fuck marked A little acne scarred. balls in a pocked cock. <laughs> pocked cock. That's like a good series of. Um, cock marked.
1: <laughs> after a like of, of videos. Yeah.
2: You know, you get very specific, um, you know, like deep videos as a like cock, cock.
1: Oh, God. At oh. The, after Whorehound, that's what was wrong with uh, the Cinematicus. He was cockmarked all over. <laughs> Man. That's what um, happens when you're 21. That's <laughs> young That's what meat.
3: happens when you're room with Zom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at
4: the teeth marks, bro. <laughs> um, oh, fuck. I'm Chew like your meat, damn it.
1: So... I'm laughing so hard I'm sweating over here.
2: Nice. Ooh, damn. Um, oh. This, in <laughs> tandem with Body Snatchers, feels very Wicker Man. Mm. With yeah. the sound, well, kind
1: of done it, right? The Stonehenge element really adds uh, a nice oh, Wicker that. Man flavor yeah. to it. A little bit. <laughs> the Irish
2: mysticism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I got to say, speaking of pock Cox, there's this <laughs> the hotel where... Atkins has a blue panky in his left back pocket, oh. which means he likes to oh. give anal. <laughs> and then in the next scene, he has um, a gray one in his back left pocket, which means he likes bondage, heavy bondage.
3: Well, <laughs> well I thought it was nice. a chain. Somebody's, somebody's yeah. up on their uh, <laughs> yeah. handkerchief code there. Yeah. Well,
2: here I am reviewing the fucking film, Googling, uh, I'm Googling gay <laughs> handkerchief code. Uh, etiquette if my wife had seen me googling this shit
4: i'm like what the
1: fuck are you doing you better delete those cookies <laughs>
4: yeah you yeah. I see on your facebook page a link to all the code yeah it's on our it's, on our, it uh, it's on our group man
1: yeah it is on uh, our group so. page yeah
4: what's her name
2: uh the girl in
1: this oh stacy Noken, the actress
2: she reminded me of Jessica
1: Harper. She is, uh, she never did any nudity, which again, sadly, I was yeah, looking I was up. <laughs> uh, and it's really a shame because I'm, I'm with Aaron. I, I think Stacey Nelkin's a hottie.
3: She's, oh, she's fucking she's adorable. Cute. And she aged really well, too. Yeah.
1: Oh, she's, yeah. Cute. she's in a few of my favorite films. She's in Alan Arkish's Get Crazy from 83, which is that punk rock film. And, uh, or, well, kind of inspired by punk rock film. And she's also in uh, Up the Academy, which is a really kind of bad. 80s uh, kind of sex comedy with Ralph Macchio and Ooh, I love the Macchio and some other stuff people in it and stuff. But she's in some uh, interesting stuff. She was in a lot of TV when I was growing up.
2: She pulled a really shit move in this film though, and I would have fucking shook her for it.
1: <laughs> he shook her.
2: <laughs> she gets out of the shower. She has the towel wheel. I know, I know we all kind of ducked our head, hoping we're going to see muff under
4: that short towel. You can. There's a little bit of under hair.
1: Yeah, there is a little bit of under hair because yo. I was working the steel frame, bruh. <laughs> one 116th
4: one, one
2: speed, yo.
1: It took me 20 minutes, but I finally caught a glimpse.
2: Man, I, I
3: shipped my own in the Blu ray. 32 minutes, 10 yeah. seconds. It's the bird's nest, yo.
1: It's worth, a, it's worth a purchase in Blu ray, guys. Yeah,
3: man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what uh, what killed me is she has the towel. The fucking dummy decides she's gonna wrap <laughs> wrap the blanket around herself. It's like, what are you gonna sleep with now? Yeah, I yeah. want to fucking. sleep no, with No, she wet knew blanket. she was gonna
4: get heated up and dry the damn thing off once she fucked Atkins.
1: True. Here, here's here's my whole problem with that whole thing. Let me tell you right now. Okay, this is just me being Dr. Chalice. Okay, this is me. Yeah. If I if I if i already worked my magic and said, well, where do you what do you want? And she says, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? I'm not going out to buy a beer and talk to a bum and do all these <laughs> other fucking things I'm hitting that all
4: investigation sh- i'm jumping
1: yeah. I'm jumping in there right then and there I don't care if we neither one of us have had a shower. I'm a fucking pig I don't yeah. care okay yeah, I'm thinking go. as a single man or as a guy who doesn't give a shit about his kids and doesn't give a shit about his ex-wife who's a prude, you know, you just jump right in. But we'll take the shower afterwards, baby.
2: Yeah, you're going to let the, go- the goat cheese smell linger when you drop your drawers, man. After I hung out with yeah, that like, bum, I don't it's think
3: like I... oh, It's like, oh, girl, you know where I want to sleep, first <laughs> yeah. got to go to the store.
1: Yeah. <laughs> how, you just hold on, bitch. How many times, yes. in all your guys' experience, how many times have you known that you're going to get laid and you said, you know what? Ah, give me about 30 minutes.
2: Let me go to the circle, okay, honey?
1: <laughs> I mean, dudes don't operate like that. Our no, our our no. material just kind of it's like, hey, you want to have sex, Boing, Let's go. That, that's, that, that's pretty much that's our foreplay. Okay. You
4: can
3: teleport out of your clothes,
1: Tom Atkins. Fore, Tom Atkins foreplay is I ain't got no disease or nothing. Can I have a drink?
3: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, I love I love that guy. He's like the most straightforward, uh, like no bullshit alcoholic bum ever. Yeah. Like, hey, can I have a drink? Takes a drink. Okay, thanks, bye. Yeah, Adrian, well, Here, let me give you some info before I go.
1: <laughs> and then the, what's great is the Atkins look on his face when he walks away. He's like, did that scene really just fucking happen? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I love... Uh, to get, I, I gotta jump off pocked cock for a second. Uh, I love when... The ginger kid, the salesman's son, puts the mask on and um, what's his name says, Oh, no, no, not that one yet. It hasn't gone through the final process. Yeah. When you get that morbid kind of um, Willy Wonka thing.
1: Yeah. What's the final process? Yeah. They start asking that question, which is pretty great.
4: Well, what I want to say about that scene is then there's a door with final processing, like a big fucking red button. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Just around the corner.
1: I miss the era in cinema when the microchip itself, when you get a close up of a microchip and it was deadly. Yeah, like uh, you true. know the war game stuff and stuff. <laughs> see, like, ooh, that's a that's a microchip. It's got to be bad.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the voice of the operator in this that I can speak to is Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: Yeah, she did that a couple times for Carpenter's Troop. She did that in Escape from New York too. Remember, she was the uh, the voiceover like when uh, they were bringing Snake Plissken in. That was Jamie Lee Curtis.
2: And Barbo was the voice of the computer in Thing. Yeah. In um, it's pretty gruesome what happens. with the sort of end result is with the masks for those that haven't seen this.
1: It is gruesome. Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, when it's you, really gruesome. It's
1: <laughs> it's pretty dark.
2: <laughs> and when you see it, and you see, I love this is a, from in a great acting moment for Atkins when the Silver Shamrock team shows him what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I like that he's not just mad or scared. Like you can see like he's about to faint because as a parent, he immediately goes there and thinks. My God, I have kids, and my kids
1: yeah. are going to
2: be in this position. And he, yeah. he can't bear it; like he almost needs to brace himself
1: on yeah. something. He can't. He can't spend well, any time with them, but he is concerned that. Uh, well, it's not so just, it's just kind of, a
4: matter of they can be in this position. His wife, his ex-wife, did buy Shamrock. Um, yeah, yeah. For yeah, his yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He knows. I'll give you guys a little Sammy info here. I absolutely have a complete terrified nature of massive amounts of bugs, like oh, to the point to like if I'm like around an ant hill, I'll steer clear of an anthill. Seriously. Yeah, like I I do not like fast moving insects in large number. That like fucking creeps me out. And
4: rattlesnakes I hope too.
1: Well snakes don't really bother me as much, although you know, I'm not like I'm gonna walk up on a rattlesnake and say, Hey buddy, what the fuck's going on? But I mean snakes don't like freak me out. Like I don't have like a natural fear of snakes like some people do, but I but like massive amounts of insects, like maggots even. Like Mm -hmm. like if I if I run across a situation where I've thrown away something and I've like Uh. didn't bag it correctly, and next thing I know I'm getting flies all over the place I'm like fuck man that means there's maggots somewhere, and if I dump the garbage and I see these massive amounts of maggots I'm like a little I'm like a I'm like the cartoon elephant with the mouse,
4: oh funny it's it's it's
1: a true story I mean I'm not I'm not making that up.
4: How did everyone like, Adkins prat falling at his age during the chase sequence? I liked it. I like I thought it was. I
1: liked a lot of the Atkins stuff, the action moments with Atkins. I thought he did that pretty oh, yeah. convincingly.
2: Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, he gets to watch the first Halloween again, that meta <laughs> stuff.
1: Yeah, it's pretty fun.
4: Well, it's uh, in there twice. Um, yeah, see, twenty-one in minutes in, there's a Halloween plug, and then he's nearly killed by Jamie Lee Curtis.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's true. Um, I'll just really rip through this stuff just a couple very quickly. I like think the tension. In this, like, they earn it. They manufacture it well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not like a splattery, gooey film, but it it really works well, and then we're kind of carried through some of the stuff. We're given enough threat that the tension feels ratcheted up as we go. Um, there's a nice, this? I don't know what that says, pretty good decapitation by Balpine Hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: and I love, love, love the end of the film. I think it's it's a great, great ending. I do want to ask you guys. If you which mask do you like the best? I like the Jack Lantern. Uh,
1: you know what? Uh, I used to be a skull guy, but I'd have to go Jack Lantern now because I like the kind of uh, almost the gaudy color of it.
3: Yeah. What about you guys? Same Jack Lantern.
4: I like the detail on the witch's mask, but I'd have to go Jack Lantern just because it's it's a little bit of comedy and total darkness, all in one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, let me—is uh, that all your notes, Will? Yes, yes. I just want to add a few things. Uh, this is really for me, also. Not only is it Tom Atkinson, show, but I really like Daniel Harley in this in this uh, film. Mm-hmm. He's really chewing some scenery and having a good time. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. oh I, I loved I, him in this. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's another tie back to Nick Castle because he ended up in the last Starfighter as well, playing the uh, yeah. alien that would hang out with Lance Guest uh, in the uh, starship. So. Uh, I like that uh, you know this kind of plays with the innocent fun of Halloween and the taking advantage of that innocence Uh yes. that's the, my favorite element of this film. Also got to say that John Carpenter and Tommy Lee Wallace must have had a lot of talks around this time because the opening of this feels an awful lot like the opening to like like a moment out of Christine Christine
2: and the fog yeah mm-hmm. there's, there's
1: like some really you know I like that I really like that opening of this person running toward camera. Oh, so good. I love that so much I've always loved that type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Except it doesn't have that sting with the lights, the really ultra bright lights like Christine does, but it still it still works, it still works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do like the Tom Atkins sex question. You know, wait a minute, how old are you? I do like that, <laughs> and I like that this is kind of. I don't think this is a great film. It's not a personal favorite of mine, but I do like that it has gathered this new life in the mm-hmm. internet era, and that people have grown to like it because I do think it is a very good film. uh I just think, you know, people were looking for something different at the time. But I think that, you know, luckily time has been kind to this film. Uh, it's a little silly in spots, which is just right. Uh, yeah,
2: it's a Halloween campfire tale.
1: Yeah, it's like a campfire tale, and it's a little sci-fi, which is nice—a little science a little fiction. Little parallax view too. Yeah, so it's got some nice elements to it that make it where it doesn't really outside of the fact that they use Stonehenge, which in the '80s was kind of like <laughs> the go-to, you know, outside of everybody. But Spinal Tap seemed to, but you know, yeah, and the lasers. Uh, you know, outside of the you know some of those things that kind of really date it. But outside of that. I kind of like the the elements it takes and kind of puts together and that, you know, the Body Snatchers idea is always going to be a natural kind of like fear. I think I think it works mm-hmm. that we're all kind of worried that, you know, people can all change and stuff like that. So,
4: well, it's I, Cold War era. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um but the one thing that I noticed that watching these three films back to back that really pervades the whole series is not only just Cundy's lighting but also the the character stepping into camera frame element. Mm-hmm. Is in all three of these films, and it, it's pretty interesting that that is like the simple scare tactic with the sting. It's not the same doo doo, but it's Da-da-da. like you know, it's like choo, you know, just like these really quick things. I but, like the stings in this. Yeah, I have to say though, I, I really didn't like that. There was something almost, and I have to agree with Miles on this. There was something almost gross about that family. Uh, I don't know yeah. this, the sweatiness, the ultra makeup, the greed.
2: But I think well, that was were again a character not a like him at all. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, well, I think that's I think it's almost like a statement of American
4: A perverse American, the perverse kind of, of capitalist American. society. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, and the think about this too is uh Shamrock look like, how they treated their top seller. That's right. It's like yeah. it's a, a feeding on itself sort of situation. Yeah,
1: right? I really did kinda like that. So But other than that, I mean this this movie is it's the definition of fun for me because I I really had a blast watching this. And this Blu ray is Blu-ray's, is awesome. You guys, I mean, if you guys I'm like this one, you got to get this. It. You got to get this one because it's, it's really good. Not only for, just for the freeze frame moments, but <laughs> but uh, I do know that for a fact because I've watched the documentary on the making of this film that uh, Nelkin uh, sadly had a no nipple clause. I'm, I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan of that. So, no,
2: no, I'm not yeah. a big fan of that clause.
1: That's a bad clause, man.
2: That is How do
4: you think we hired you?
1: Which is yeah. why they set it up pretty good though, because Tom Atkins got to do a little nipple dance in there, man. He was he's, yeah. he's a nipple licker, man. Come on. A- <laughs> All right, I'll pass it on to whoever wants to go next.
3: All right, I'll go first. Um, I just got some quick notes. Uh, everybody remembers the silver Sh- silver Shamrock song, but <laughs> yeah. don't sleep on the score because it's fucking amazing, like Bill yes. said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very underrated. Nobody ever talks about it. It's got these. Um, it's I, got
1: these great like little drive moments, like almost like yeah. the music we were oh, talking about, like that do 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 you know that little thing. So,
3: yeah. Um. Love the small town setting. It's very eerie, you know, like a large ghost town that's well maintained. Uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's a yeah, factory. It's, um, it's
1: a factory town. I love that. I love that everybody yeah. works there. Everybody's part of the thing. So.
3: Yeah, so they got a good location, uh, a lot of production value just from the look of it alone, um, and there's some great static shots of the town at night as well. Um, kid with the pumpkin mask that bites it. Uh, towards the end, I love Holy his G. dad's um, screaming gagging combo. He's yeah. <laughs> like, ah, "Ah!" The mother just faints. He like, was damn brother. You need uh, some Heimlich maneuver or something.
1: No, nah, he was it's choking funny. on that pock cock.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, In my last note, before I kick it over to DZ, um, the third act of the movie kind of plays out like a cartoon. You know, Halloween is in jeopardy because of a dastardly villain. and Somebody <laughs> yeah, needs to save Halloween. I can save Halloween, man. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, yeah, that's but what do.
1: but does he really, though? You know. Mm. Turn it
4: off. Turn it off. Stop it. Or stop it. That's what it.
1: Yeah, is. stop it.
4: Well, tying in with what Aaron just said, um, where the ending kind of, well, actually, the whole movie is almost like a Scooby-Doo movie done in real <laughs> life. Yeah. Because there's a sequence right at the end, and I, I put a note here. Uh, Scooby-Doo move, uh, hiding behind uh, masks, um, and moving the shelf to avoid detection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <What the hell? laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I do like the turn around where uh, uh, Adkins uses the Shamrock um, uh, insignias to foil Cochrane's plans, and Cochrane just claps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something about that I thought was just, like, really cool and cinematic. Yeah. Um, let's see I am um, I looked up Karakuri which is a Japanese doll it's an automated automaton basically and I was thinking well have they has the Japanese done anything like this because this is a perfect movie to kind of you know because uh-huh. they could tie in their own uh, rituals involving they don't really have um, a Halloween actually they don't have a Halloween at all but they have their own kind of rituals and I'm wondering if that would you know, if they could do something with this so I think it's my material for that very cool. Well, let's also put it this way: um, Jehovah's Witnesses and um, anybody outside of the U.S. would be safe from Cochran's plans. Yeah, yeah. that's it's
1: a good point. It's a good point. It yeah. is. Can I? Can I just say? I I, I almost wish the end of the film. Uh, I just almost wish like the disembodied hand would have like started stroking the pock cock, because oh. I think I think Doctor Chalice would have would have like. I think he would have let that happen.
2: Would have got derailed. <laughs>
1: Because <laughs> like, oh wait
2: no I changed my mind yeah. I'm keeping like, this.
1: He's first he's like ooh and then he's like ooh.
2: He puts it in his medicine bag and he's
1: like hang on a second hand I gotta go over to the liquor store and get a bottle of this you know <laughs> yeah. It'll
2: be
4: about he's, thirty minutes he right there in this guy's car. <laughs> yeah. This uh movie is anti corporation anti branding yeah. anti fat and it's social engineering gone mad. Yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Um, like they live. And it feeds back into that Cold War era you know, thing where you know you never know who's going to be, what, and no one's what they seem. Right, you it's, know, and
1: it's the whole fear of that generation of filmmakers in a lot of ways, yeah. like Carpenter, Wallace, uh, Romero, all these guys. A lot of the fears are all the same because that's that's yeah that's what they grew up with right that was their fears you know whereas I don't well, this
4: know this is a movie that's definitely old world meets new world you know mm-hmm. technology allows something to be more pervasive if anything this is kind of like a cautionary tale of what the internet would do with people spreading bullshit yeah myths. yeah
1: and this podcast is a great example of bullshit spreading
4: <laughs> yeah well one of the myths that's in, in this film just to point out yet another one. Um, when the mother says don't get too close you will ruin your eyes it've actually never proven that that'll happen yeah. oh man I've been I'm telling my kids that to this day
0: yeah
1: well, it, it, it's it's a good thing I mean I, I watch TV very closely and I ended up with glasses now that would have happened regardless because of my genetics but um, oh, that and masturbation but the the truth is is that uh, you know I don't I, I don't really know <laughs> Beating the potcock, got uh, <laughs> got the lenses on quick yeah uh, <laughs> You popped Atkins Cherry, yeah. <laughs> nice. Aida's behind. Aida's behind, Oh,
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this 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 show.
4: Oh, and by the way, <laughs> there's so much security at the Silver Shamrocks, uh, you know, facility that they forget to close a window.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. If you're going to make fun of something, I, I, I laugh almost at the, this huge factory and how. Uh, uh, it's not very populated, but you think with all of the power to make all of these automatons that uh, he would have like this place fully staffed all the time everywhere, but uh, they're kind of few and far between. Maybe you can just factor that into you He just figured it out. I don't know.
2: Well, you have to figure, too, they usually dispatch the people that come into the town because they don't like outsiders, right? Right. So they trust that the intel from whether it's the guy at the Montel or the gas station, they're going to know who it is and get to them in pretty short order, generally speaking.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also a town curfew, so it's really on yep. lockdown. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah even yeah. the cats are on lockdown. <laughs> That's
1: so they don't jump on security guards.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, Some of the lines that I kind of wrote down that I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, We've been doing an autopsy on part of the car. <laughs> you take that out of context, and it's like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, a- <laughs> and another one. Maybe we're not going to have Halloween next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, when Atkins it, he gets tired of hearing the fucking Shamrock Jingle at the same time <laughs> I did. <laughs> Only his voice, post, uh, voice mine wasn't. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Which got her engine going, because that was, I think, the third time he had sex with her. Yeah, <laughs>
1: One of my favorite underappreciated lines from Tom Atkins, and I look for an audio clip for it, is when he says, this place is a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, it sounds like an old man way of saying that he doesn't understand something. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> this place is a fucking zoo. Oh, a did fucking... <laughs> anybody think when, when Ellie's hand came off and started attacking him, that it, when he goes to close the door, I immediately thought of the uh, urban legend of the book, Hand? Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if it was intentionally. I, I just these little things kind of pop up, and I think, oh, Ur- that's an urban legend too. I wonder if they made that intentionally. Mm. Good
1: point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I was also thinking. You think about the uh, psychology of the scene with the, that's his real wife in the other room, and she's like, "Ellen, Ellie asked that question. Nelkin asked that question. What was that?" <laughs> and Atkins like, "Who cares?" <laughs> 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 classic Atkins right there man who cares get back to fucking yeah. let's get back to fucking Yeah,
2: let's talk more let's talk more pock
1: let's talk more pock
4: oh. oh Jesus
1: oh, oh man alright is that everybody's notes let's get some scores we gotta get this done yeah like, right. No,
4: there's a rotary phone scene. I love it. Oh, oh wait. Oh, on. rotary phone. I also yeah. haven't done the kill count. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't okay. name names.
2: Don't name names. Just, just uh,
4: generic. It that's a okay. It's okay. It's pretty much generic anyway. There's scared old man. <laughs> question mark agent. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll call him Bob. Uh, then sales <laughs> lady. <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: And then uh, family. So that's like four, five, and six and then someone off-screen who gives a turnaround at the end,
3: and the entire United States. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, Cochran's before that. uh, But the the black gas station attendant lives, so.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Who who looks a bit like Ken Foree meets Cameo.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I've seen him in other things, too. He's a a good character actor. Yeah, I like him. He's got a big face. Word up. Yeah. <laughs> like a deep, deeper
1: version of that or something.
4: Yeah. Mama always told me to help people in need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ain't no trick or treat here. Now let me save your life, <laughs> motherfucker.
1: <laughs> Between that and the "jap It Up comment, I don't know how many <laughs> <laughs> listeners we wow.
4: got I'm left. like horribly racist. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: let, me, let me clear the air. Nobody on the show is racist. We're just having fun.
4: <laughs> well, nothing tops my comment about it. clearly more... Clearly more Asian than the others. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! One of the early shows. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Whoa, slow! I was looking at some of the other lines in here, and uh, right that—that's that's what he says. The doctor says right before they get to having sex. Uh, uh no, wait, 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 wait! I'm trying to look here. Nah, fuck it, never mind. It's a wrong scene. But he does say at one point, say, "Whoa, slow down! It's getting late. I could use a drink. Let's take our time."
4: Yeah, because uh, yeah, she wants to start up again. And he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <So> <laughs> all I'm right, clearly all right. older than you. How old are you? We'll <laughs> we'll,
2: uh... I need a six-pack, motherfucker. I think he even <laughs> asks Jamie the Curtis that in the vlog. Yeah. Yeah. After they fuck. But um, my make or break is the end. I love the end of the film. Yeah. I love endings like this, man. It's uh, it's rare in a genre that should have more of them. But...
1: That's Yeah, it's really strange that there isn't more endings like this in this genre. Yeah.
2: There's only one MVT in this film. And it's. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, score for the film is an 8 out of 10. I love this film. Nice. Um, it's, like I said, it's easily my favorite in the franchise. I can't say it's a better film than Halloween. It's not.
1: But that doesn't matter, uh, though.
2: But it's my response is, yeah, it's just one I love so much. I'm glad the critical um, response has turned around on it. So there you go.
1: Yeah, nice. Um, My make or break is just the pure concept of the thing. I love the idea. I wish they would have went further with it. Uh, It's a great idea. It's bug nuts. I mean, it's fucking, it's like, you know, silly almost. Uh, I don't even think they needed to bring Stonehenge into it, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine with me, you know. I mean, every time I see Stonehenge, I can't help but think of Spinal Tap. But I'm I'm just, you know, I'm kind of happy they brought it in in a way because it kind of makes the film kind of kooky. My MVT is Atkins. Uh, I do love him in this film.
2: I'm surprised it wasn't her short
1: towel. uh, No, that was a good MVT. Stacey Nelkin is an MVT in a lot of ways. Well, she has a couple of MVTs. Um. Uh, but I've never seen them, sadly, because she always keeps them because of her damn no nipple claws. Damn you, Stacey Nelka. Um, My score for the film is a 7.25. Now, I like this film a lot, but I don't have the same kind of general affection for it. I liked it originally. I've always liked it. Uh, I do think it's it's kind of goofy, but at the same time, it's a lovable kind of goofy. So uh, I have a lot of fun revisiting it. It was, it was nice. And uh, I do like the, I like what Aaron said. I like the score a lot, and oh, I like yeah. the small-town vibe, which is really nice.
3: Cool. Uh, I'm going to go with the break, and that would be Stacy Nelkins' No Nipple Claws. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my make-or-break <laughs> scene is the end, just like Will. Uh, my MBT, Tom Atkins, score yes. 7.75 out of 10. Nice. Yeah. Easy. I actually
4: want to score it even higher than Halloween because of nice. the rewatchability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I'm going to give it a nine. yes wow. nice. And I'm going to tie this into like a whole bunch of reasons because to me this almost feels like Proto Whedon because if you look at it and go, well, Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of plays just similar themes. You know, playing the old world to new world technology, et cetera, and it's kind of the goofiness because this movie is very much a kind of a comedy swirled and. Science fiction It's just all sorts
1: It's and, a mess. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it, there's almost too much in it. It almost, it's almost like lasers, a big yeah, head. lasers and stone. Head. The only <laughs> it's thing crazy. it's missing is like some metal, and the fact that Tom Atkins isn't wearing a members only jacket. He's wearing oh, a. He's wearing close. a knockoff of a members only jacket. Two
2: knockoffs. He has two different knockoffs, and then needs some John Michael
4: Thor. Yeah, <laughs> he lost everything in the divorce. Hello. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Well,
4: one and my. uh most valuable, or MVT, sorry, um, when he's calling his wife in desperation, he's kind of turned around at this point and sobered up. And <laughs> yeah. he's trying to get her to get rid of the masks. Yeah. And yeah. Th- that's probably the best acting scene um, in this movie because it's he, he kind of plays a little hammy throughout the movie. Um, yeah. But at this point, it's a big turnaround for his character. This is probably the most serious scene in the film. Right. Um, I do love the ending. It's a very steaming king guess. Uh it's kind of, you know, not kind of it is open ended because you're like, Well what the hell happened? Is it post apocalypse now? What kind of post apocalypse comes from something like this? And I think, you know, if four had tried to tie in Michael Myers surviving the situation, a situation with a devastated United States because of these fucking masks, like that just kind of makes me go wild with ideas.
1: Nice. <laughs> Is that is that everything? Is that oh, yeah,
4: because he gave us the score already. That's right. Uh,
1: all right, yeah, that's everything. So
4: it did reverse? Hello. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's
1: right. <laughs> I love this picture on silver and gold of Captain Kirk and Mr. and Mister Spock in the bathtub together. <laughs> yeah, it's that's great. Fun. It's <laughs> great with the uh, moon in the background and shit. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so that is the big show, everybody. We hope everybody enjoyed our Halloween coverage. Uh, Aaron DZ, it's so great to have you guys on um aaron, i know you've been on more recent but dz it was like say great to meet you face to face and great to have you on the show um we hope to have you on again soon um
4: oh absolutely i'd love to do it again i love podcasting so
1: we'll have you back on again soon aaron as always we know we'll have you
4: now back you on need to meet will in real, in real yes. life yeah we I mean, gotta have that happen you gotta have that happen yeah
2: <laughs> i do i do want to say for those that don't know dz is an absolutely integral part in why you're listening to this show meaning our show, from its inception. Yes. If there was no DZ in F-13, we wouldn't be doing this show. Correct. So i got to say thanks to DZ, and it's been great after four years of being able to do something with him um, finally. So thanks, man.
4: Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) He's had a long time coming. We've been talking about doing something forever. Well, we
2: got a a good one that we're going to do with him that we're going to keep under wraps of a very loved 80s franchise.
1: Yes, yes. A couple people know about easy. it. A couple people know about it. But yeah, but we we it have promised uh, it. Yeah, that will be Let's fun.
2: Just say it involves a jade choker.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. No members only yeah. Jack. I don't know about that. There might be one in. There might be one in that series. There might be one.
4: Wait. I think that series is dong free too. <laughs> ah, right. We need but, more dong. <laughs> <laughs> more dong. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh Jesus. I had a joke right there but I didn't I didn't take it because you it was it your mouth. Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> <laughs> it wanted to, but I'm holding on to it. <laughs> All right, so Just that is the big it? show. Uh, yeah. We normally go through our pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> we normally go through our pleasantries and stuff, but we don't have time this morning. Uh we're running way late. Uh we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um next week we'll be doing our boulevardmovies.com show with uh Will's pick, which is uh Walker. Alex, Alex Cox's Walker. Yeah, speaking of dick, Alex Cox. <laughs> Yeah. Uh but yeah, we'll be doing Alex Cox Walker. Cox's Walker. <laughs> Jesus. Dick Warlock. <laughs> Dick Warlock's. Um wouldn't it be awesome if his last name was Locks, Dick Warlocks. Like L O X. I don't know why I'm thinking I'm I'm really tired. Um Warlox. Dick Warlocks, so, Dick yeah. do, Dick Doorlocks.
4: That's locks the best skill it. you can teach your cock. All right.
1: <laughs> Dick Dick jo- <laughs> my name is Dick Jawlock. <laughs> 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 Jesus. That's uh, funny, pussy kill. <laughs> but uh, as we always do when we sign off, I will say adios.
3: Adios, cock pock, pock, cock. I love it.
1: Anybody else want to give an adios on the other end of the spectrum?
3: Anybody? easy. Bueller.
4: <laughs> Bueller. <laughs> easy. Showing up, motherfucker. Trick or treat is dead. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say, check out the Feminine
2: Critique episode one, and adios.